Welcome everyone to We Have Issues, our weekly comic book podcast that opens the vault, feels the boom, weathers the aftershock, and marvels at every issue released this week. I'm your host, Keith, and I'm joined by my stalwart psychic, who is always at my side, Hostway. How is it that we that Marvel just like tends to hold back and then just like dumb comics ever for tie-ins? <laughs> at least they did it on a week where everything else was light. True, like, true. And like that that helped a lot. <laughs> but yeah, it's gonna be Marvel heavy ep- episode, guys. But uh it'll be a lot of fun because there's a wide variety of Marvel. I'm pretty excited about it. So yeah. uh we're going to jump into our comic book news in just a moment, but as always, we start with a bit of news. And uh the first thing I'm gonna mention is not directly related to comics, but I don't care. Um Disney Plus is currently remaking the Percy Jackson series as a television series. Right. And I'm kind of excited about it. I've never been a Percy Jackson fan. I know very little about it, except it's about the Greek or Roman gods or something like that. It's cool. Like so much better than Harry Potter. Yeah. But they announced they have cast the role of Ares. Nice. And it's going to my boy, WWE superstar Edge. Oh, for real? Yes. Yo. Okay, <laughs> okay good. Because Ares is a fuck. I mean, like, as he always is. Is a fucking punk ass in the Percy Jackson series. Uh, so Edge, spoiler, not because like it wasn't in the in the, in the first movie because it was dog shit. But spoiler, at the end of the first book, Percy Jackson has like a fucking one on one sword fight against Ares and it makes him bleed for a second. Oh, I'm so fucking excited to see Edge do, get get in that one on one because it is a dope fucking fight. Uh, that's awesome. Let I'm really excited you, for the series. I'm gonna send you the t- tweet announcement. Because typically they they attach the headshot that they really like the look of uh-huh. to give you an idea of what he's going to look like. Sick. Okay. I really dig it. That is a handsome motherfucker. <sighs> I, <don't even> <laughs> this, I love this. Right. <laughs> awesome. Give it. Give me the show now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I thought we have to talk about that, even though wrestling's not comic related. Percy Jackson was a book. It's close enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, in a fantastic series. Yeah, I need to get into it. Liz was into it, so. Uh, next up, Joe Mangianello, who is not only a really handsome buff dude himself, but is also a super nerd, is going to be making a documentary about Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, nice. Which is really, really cool. Um, it's not going to be like a really cool tell-all kind of thing because it's going to be done by Hasbro, who owns Wizards of the Coast. So I doubt they're going to be like, here's the dark side of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> but still, cool as shit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. very excited about that. He's It hasn't even started yet, but I want to make sure I mention that. And that's literally everything I have that's not DC or Marvel. That's all the news I can find. Nice. We have a shorter week because we recorded late with the New York Comic Con stuff. So I only right. had like five days to look through. So, But <clears throat> there are a couple details. Let's start with DC. First of all, we did mention in the last episode that uh, Son of Kal-El is being canceled. It's actually transitioning to a different name, which is going to be Adventures of Superman, John Kent. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fucking Daily Wire and Sky News and everybody has been reporting that it's being canceled after abysmal sales. Like, uh, like, oh my god, like, whatever. But like, Tom Taylor replied, not canceled. John Kent's solo title is being renamed Adventures of Kent, or Superman John Kent. So John has an iconic Superman series to himself and didn't include his name in the title. Mm-hmm. As for sales, let's check what the number one selling on, on what number one selling comic on Amazon is right now. Oh, and it's the newest issue of Superman, Son of Kal-El. <laughs> so, yeah. They beat out Immortal X-Men. So that tells you a lot. No, oh, fuck like, yeah. 
So it, um, yeah, that that was just bullshit. They're just full of shit. So also, I, I like the. I mean, if we see it from like a different perspective, like the longevity of a character moving into like a different title, like and eventually like a, a different mantle of a title. And again, he's getting that new suit anyway, so it's like, yeah, maybe a new, a new title for a book. Yeah. This is something I would prefer than just like renumbering number one. Like, I'd rather it be, like, you know, John Kent than Son of Kal-El. Right. Oh, me too. Like we, yeah, we're moving past sense. that next step forward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only other DC news I have is more Superman news, but I think this is cool. This actually came out last week, but I didn't talk about it. Uh, oh, yes. There's some new costumes for the Superman family. So we'll scroll yep. down to, to the picture there. Um, so it includes the twins that I mentioned that they adopted. Um, right. So that does include them down at the bottom underneath his arms there. Um, there's John Kent in a new suit, which looks great. No cape. I yes. like the collar. I think that looks cool as shit. Um, behind him is that Superman of China. Uh, so he's like one so of the coolest. Cool. Yeah, he look, I love that design. The S is cool as hell. It's almost like a negative S, like the negative of his. I love that. It's like, yeah, it's like the S, but almost like adopting like the yin yang, but like boss underneath. Yep. Supergirl. And she's dropped the cape as well. And she's got that third color to her scheme now. I like those jackets, like that over armor, mm-hmm. that, those jackets that they come on and off. It's such yeah. a dope style. Yeah. Uh, and then on the far left is Connor. Uh, who doesn't look very different, but his jacket, it does seem to be a bit smaller. Um, and he's mm-hmm. got a nifty little side pouch, which I thought was great. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and then behind them all, that is Natasha Irons, a.k.a. Steel, Steel's daughter, or, or Steel's yes. niece. And yeah, it looked really cool. Her symbol's pretty similar to the Superman of China's, actually, which I think is pretty cool. So I, I like all these. I like. I think they're super dope. And I'm very curious to see, you know, what exactly is going to come from this. Uh, that's going to be launching in uh, Action Comics 1051, which is in January. I might pick that one up, mm-hmm. even though I don't read Action Comics, just because I really, really like this art. And, um, you know, yeah, looks cool. I did. Yeah, so. I mean, like with, with Clark coming back finally, it seems like it, it was. It's kind of like what they said. Like there'll be a more focus on like the Super Family. Right. Exactly. So that leads us to our Marvel news, and there's a couple Marvel news, and a little bit more than DC. First of all, we know that the Blade film lost its director, and they're trying to get other people to direct it. Um, they're also doing rewrites, and apparently Oof. Mahershala Ali is heavily involved in the rewrites. Oh, no shit. Which I think is a really cool idea. Uh, if you're going to have a you know director like that, if you're going to have a writer like that, you don't have a director in hand, and you have someone as smart as Mahershala, such an amazing actor and such a mind for the business... Why not? You know, why yeah. not involve him? So we'll see. Uh, hopefully they come up with a new director soon because I'm really excited for Blade. So, well, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think it's our next, cha- next chance to possibly see Black Knight. So, <laughs> the, yeah. And out of like characters to come back from like old properties, old stuff that we know, like not that like, like it was like the mutants and stuff like that, but like everybody loves Blade or what's the science Blade. So it's like to get the revamp. Yeah, pun intended, revamp of uh, the MCU style. Like, I, and then above all, Maharsha Ali. Yeah, it's, it's one I've been very excited for. Yeah, definitely. Another bit, uh, Marvel recasting news. Um, unfortunately, we did lose William Hurt, um, who was playing General Thaddeus yeah. Thunderbolt Ross. Um, so the, apparently, this isn't... Marvel has not announced this, but this has been corroborated amongst several people in the industry that Harrison Ford will be taking over the role. 
Uh, and he will uh, he will be in Thunderbolts basically. So like, it's just like the the, the guy doesn't want to do movies like this anymore. Yeah, like, but I mean, it does. Is it really a role that requires much? No, you know I what just, I mean. I, I I would I would give it to Stephen Lang. Like for Thunderbolt. Yeah, but he's better than that. He's better than playing Thaddeus Ross. He's still Cable in my head. I don't care. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I to- totally. But I mean, he's also like seventy, so it's like I don't see him doing yeah. Cable. <laughs> yeah, but you know. Although, I mean, I like Josh Brolin as Cable. I'm not trying to slag. Josh oh, totally. But it's great, like, but so. Stephen Lang is like, he's like, he's reaching. So it's like, I, I think Thunderbolt Ross. I think that would be a better fit. And I just, he's just, Ford is just so fucking smug at this age. Like, I don't think he wants to do it. <laughs> I think he's like, I missed out on. You know, he's pretty much the like he would have been huge if the MCU was twenty years earlier. Oh yeah, you know he would have been a major character, but he missed out on it. So I think he wants a little piece of it. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like Kurt Russell, kind of like Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah. They just get a little cameo, you know. So yeah, Marvel has announced a new Guardians of the Galaxy series. Thank fucking god, because it was so hot and so awesome, and they just canceled it. Um. Yeah, so they teased it with an image of the entire group, including the more recent ones like Hercules and stuff. Ooh. A big group shot, and there's the guardian symbol over it, made of wood and broken. Oh. And it said, um, hanging below the cap, image is the caption, how do you rebuild a family? Ooh. So we'll see. No team? I mean, I'm thinking maybe they lose somebody and they have to rebuild. And people oh, are saying it might be Groot because, huh? Yeah, I'm a creative team. Oh, dude. Oh, I did not see a creative team actually. So I'm not sure. Uh, this is NYCC. They're announcing a lot of stuff. So right, right. Uh, the next one after the sinister crossover, Marvel has announced. The next X-Men event is called Fall of X. Mm-hmm. Fucks. <laughs> and the publisher, publisher teased the X-Men hoped Krakoa would last forever. Time to find out if they were right. That's heavy. Yes. And it'll be after the third Hellfire Gala. Oh, shit. Oh, just to kick off the party at the end of the party. No. Yeah. Uh, and it's Gary Dugan who's going to be involved in pretty heavily in it. And uh, yeah, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> so, yeah, no. Uh, next up is, um, let me see here. Okay. We also got news about another crossover that's going to take place. So the crossovers right now, I should make this clear, that we have upcoming. November, we have one called Avengers Assemble. Oh, yeah. In December, we have Dark Web. Mm-hmm. January, Sense of Sinister. Spring of next year, Captain America Cold War. Yes. Which we'll talk about in a moment. Before Fall of X, we are getting Summer of Symbiotes. Oh, that's right. Venom, Carnage, Red Goblin, and more start a new event, blah, blah, blah. It didn't reveal too many details. It uh, basically said, sun's out, tongue's out. Spinning out of titles like Venom, <laughs> Carnage, and Red Goblin comes a slew of new symbiotic stories. Oh, and ready for Red old Goblin. faces... The debut of new symbiote heroes and exciting shifts for iconic symbiote stars. Oh, is Carnage going to jumpstart uh, Osborn? 
maybe. Damn. Yeah. So that's that's the future of Marvel for now for the next cool. year. That, that, that's the crossover I've been waiting for uh, between uh, Rombi's. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a Rombi um, uh, driven because uh, he's on uh, writing the symbiotes right now. But fuck, it's, it's, I'm sure it's gonna be great. Carnage is yeah. Carnage is really really good. Yeah. Back to Captain America: Cold War. We have found out that it will see the return of Steve Rogers' adopted son, Ian Rogers. Nice. And he will be back as the new Nomad. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so that just throws a whole fucking wrench into everything. So, it's going to be interesting. I'm very excited for that. That's like a low, like low-level crossover that... I'm starting to get really hyped about like, it's not like across the entire, you know, it's not across the entire Marvel universe. It's literally just the Captain America books, but it's been kind of like, this is looking really good, you know, like, mm-hmm. that's great. And, and, I, and I really like this nomad too. Like this kid, again, like this whole, like the, the Rick Remender sending him to like the future and like shit happened over there. Um, and yeah, we were wondering if it was going to be this kid or not. I, I've been excited for a cold war. <laughs> yeah. And my last bit of Marvel news Announced during the Women of Marvel panel at New York Comic Con, Betsy Braddock is getting her own five-issue miniseries called Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain. Sick. And it's going to be written by Teeny Howard. You can't Ooh. get away from us, Teeny. <laughs> you can't leave. We need you. Arts by Vasco Georgiev. Uh, it's going to launch in February 2023. 20, uh, basically, she comes home and doesn't have a country. That's right. You know, because they're not allowed in England, so that's going to be the story for it. Uh, I'm very excited for this. I've really loved the magical tales of this because everything has been about you know Otherworld and Avalon and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. this looks like this is her back on Earth, and right. I think that's cool to like transition to that right now. So, yeah, that's all the news I got. Unless you had anything further to add, mm-hmm. no. All right, well, we're going to talk about comics, and as always, we start not with a bang but a boom. And let's start with Boom Studios, baby. Two books. The Approach, number one. Nice. I am going to recommend this book right off the bat for everybody, (laughs) Um, especially you. Uh, So this is written by Jeremy Hahn and Jason Hurley. Nice. Illustrated by Jesus Hervas and Leah Caballero. Colored by Brett Weldele and letter by Ed Dukeshire. We interviewed Jeremy Hahn in a past life. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, that's when I got really into the book, The Beauty, which was also done with Jason Hurley. Oh, um, cool. So basically, this is set. Okay, first of all, so cool cover, right? Yeah. Like plain, but look. Uh-huh. You see the pattern in the background? Right. Right. So this is set at a small airport up in the Midwest somewhere. And there's a massive storm coming and they have to get one last plane down. And the storm is so bad that when they get the people down, they have to stay in the airport. So the small plane of people are all going to stay in the airport with the, the airport staff. Well, they're just trying to like make arrangements and everything like that. When this little biplane comes down and crashes itself with no warning, mm-hmm. they go to try to save the guy inside. Uh, one guy's dead. They pull a guy out. They try to save him. He dies. But he's like a complete burnt looking corpse. Looks like this. Yep. Yeah. So they're like, oh, well, we'll we'll just put him upstairs for now. So go put him upstairs. Someone goes to check on him. He's gone. (laughs) Okay. And we see this. Yep. 
Yep, yep. <laughs> and that's where it cuts off for the first issue. Nice. It's, I mean, I don't like comparing things because I don't think things are very similar. I will say, if you are a fan of the thing, this yeah. has 100% thing vibes. And I mean, just I the, mean that the cover. The most, yeah, I mean the most complimentary way possible. I Dude, love I just, the thing. I um, I was able to catch Jen at the the comic shop when I got mine, and she that was like her first reads. Like, like she she always gets comics and gets waffles outside at the at the food trucks, and I was able to peek at at, at the issue because like I, I I saw it on the wall, but I didn't even bother peeking through it, or else I would have. Um, but yeah, as I, when I got to like the corpse scene, I was like, oh wait, no spoilers for you. This looks really fucking good. And then I was like, I wasn't reading. I was like flipping through it. And I got to like the, the reveal at the end. It's like, ah, I fucked up. I need to get this. And I love the trapped in a blizzard thing. Like it's, they have nowhere to go. They can't go anywhere. Yeah. And it's really cool. Like I like it. And there's families there, which adds an extra level, you know, like, ah, so good. I'm very, I love, I love Jeremy's stuff though. I've always really enjoyed their work. Mm-hmm. Um, re- recommend checking out the beauty. If you guys haven't, it's really fucking good. So, um, but yeah, I recommend that. Next up, our other boom book of the week. This week, we say goodbye to a dear friend of ours. Boom. A book who's gotten us through a lot of hard times. <laughs> 30 times. Uh, written by Karen Gillan. Illustrated by Dan Mora. Colored by Tamara Von Villain. Letter by Ed Dukeshire. Once in Future, number 30. Oh, man. Okay, I'll say this. Losing this and Seven Secrets within the same year isn't fair, by the way. <laughs> so, <Right. why> <laughs> um, when we were with uh, when we were with Geek Elite Media, and we were talking about doing articles and stuff for the website, I came up with a book or I came up with an article idea of what you should be reading, where I just write about an ongoing series and whether you should be reading it. This is the only one I wrote because <laughs> I was immediately <laughs> like, everyone should be reading Once in the Future. What a fucking ending. Everybody, every character has an arc. And it's done so well. And it's heartbreaking. And there's a moment... There's a moment where they're doing Orpheus. (laughs) And as soon as they said that, I was like, no, 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 don't do that. Because I'm very familiar with Orpheus and Eurydice. And they did it, and fuck, man, broke me. Fucking broke me. This book is so good. It's one of the best comics Boom has ever put out, period. I love this book. I can't wait to tell our friend Jessica about this because she really enjoyed the first volume when she read Uh it. And I want her to read the whole fucking thing so we can talk about it. But yeah, I don't have much to say except it was amazing. Hussle, what'd you think? (laughs) <laughs> it was so good. Oh, fuck. The weight of it all on the grandma. <laughs> fuck. I love it. Like the, 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 the last fight was awesome. The um, Lear coming to play and it's like, like, Lancelot. like it, it all, it all worked. It's <laughs> just like, <laughs> fucking Lancelot, dude. It all came down to Lancelot. Right. Jesus. Imagine uh, like the visuals of this shit in any way, in any fucking way, like how it would ever be like adapted. God, it's like the scope. It would just have to be so fucking right. Um, it's one of the few properties I don't think I ever want adapted. 
I wouldn't, but it's a, but just like I don't certain, think anything can match Dan Moore's art. <laughs> just, just certain parts, I would just want to see like the the intense action part of it all, like that last comet shot. Yeah, I think uh, animation but, would be the only way to do it. Yeah, I don't think but, you can do uh, it live action. I don't think you make do justice. But the whiplash from the Orpheus walk to the end. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I don't even want to say like the words like to hint to hint at anything, but it's just like ugh. it was brutal emotionally. And then the last page, uh-huh. just in case it didn't hurt you enough, <laughs> like I was just like, "Fucking hell, dude!" <laughs> like I love this book. I love this book it so was fucking much. Great. Thirty and it, thirty. And it, if you read the letter at the end, mm-hmm. it is the end. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely for this story maybe not for the grandmother is basically what karen said so we'll see i loved it from beginning to end one of my favorite comics ever oh yeah absolutely yeah loved it okay we're we're, we're gonna talk about this for hours so let's move on (laughs) all right uh next up dark horse comics and i got one book i got masquerade number two nice um Written by Kevin Smith and Andy McElfresh. Art by John Spring- Springlemeyer. Colors by Julia Brusco. And letter by Andrew Thomas. So you might remember this one. This is the one with the um, the adult woman who poses as a teenage girl to catch pedophiles. It's basically to catch a predator, except this chick does it herself. And um, But she has like a death wish almost kind of thing. She does it really dangerously in ways she shouldn't. And so they actually show her meeting up with the dude at the beginning. It's like her social media posts as, as like a tween and stuff like that. She puts fake braces in and she meets up with this dude. Cause of course this dude looks like this and, yeah. <laughs> and exposes him, uh, gets him arrested and everything. And she's trying to work out other ways to do it. And he's like, Hey, I heard about this thing where teen runaways would, you know, earn money by jerking off a, a you know a pedo in a, in a car you know in a parking lot she's like cool let's do that and so meanwhile there's a murder mystery going on in the background which is amazing too it's a really cool story and she does the the pedo thing and he actually ends up punching her before the cop before the guys can get there to arrest him and now it's like well now you're gonna have battery <laughs> like because you battered her as well so he gets that added on and stuff and then yeah there's this whole assassin going in the background is it her is it related to her we don't know it's like been a really great story and there's apparently the assassin has like six people on its list and we don't know why so it's just all kind of building and building separately but also together i really enjoyed i think it's quite a bit of fun actually so um really good stuff which brings us to our next independent publisher ablaze I got a blaze and I got L's. L's number three. This book is awesome. Okay, so written by Kid Toussaint and art by Aveline Stockhart. Um, this is the one with the girl with multiple personalities and she, uh, uh, DID, dissociative identity disorder. She um, views her different personalities as different colors of hair. And long story short, she's trying to find out what happened. And she figures out there's like a gap in her memory or a gap in their history of her where they have no like baby pictures of her up to a certain age. And she's like, why is that? 
long story short, she does some investigating and finds out she's adopted. And it's like she finds her real mother's phone number. Her real mother has her being followed by a private eye for some reason. We don't know why. And she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know if she wants to call her real mother. And the really cool alternate scenes with her personalities in her head. There's a great one here where it's this one hovering. And it says, you're breaking, Green Apple. And it says, I can feel it. It looks like you're about to give up. At long last, it's my turn. And that's when the issue ends. This shit's great. The art's great. Story's a lot of fun. It's a really, really good book. And with that, we're already at Image Comic Books this way. So let's get going. Let's go. All right. Starting with a number one. Hitomi number one. So goddamn good. Created and written by H.S. Talk. Art by Isabella Mazzantini, or Mazzanti. Uh, layouts by Nicoletta Bay. Colors by Valentina Napolitano. And letter by Rob Jones. First of all, Peach Momoko cover. Ugh, I need to go hunt down, hunt down one. <laughs> yes. This story is so cool. It's about a little Mongol girl whose family is wiped out by seemingly by a samurai and it's about her struggle to live struggle to survive struggle to get vengeance and it it is very fable-esque in its journey it's very much it feels mythological and i really really enjoyed this book it is only the first issue so we don't know too much about it yet but i i love the character already uh i love I just love it. It's just a fucking great story. And there's some amazing visuals. Obviously, this one's my favorite. Yeah. Like, but oh my God, it's just so cool. I can't wait to see where this is going, is what I will say. Uh, there's a cool twist, and maybe she has a new friend, and maybe we'll see. <laughs> so, what did you think? It is such an intriguing story. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm, very excited for to see how these uh, paths are going to cross, like are going to end up crossing if it is what it's making us to believe. Cause it's just like, it only insinuates what it, what it's saying, but it's just like, is it, is it that obvious? But I'm sure, I'm sure like the other factor comes into play will be a very important one. And in the flashback kind of, is there some similarities there, but we'll see. I'm, I'm very excited for this new book. I'm so happy to, to jump on it. Yeah, I'm really glad you picked it up. That was the one book I basically texted you. Did you pick it up? Oops. Hosway <laughs> just dropped his entire stack of comic books. So, uh, but yeah, I'm really glad you picked it up. I texted you because I was like, he needs to read this. So I'm really excited about that. All right. Our next image book is Love Everlasting number three. So I remember you didn't read issue two when we last reviewed this. Are you caught up? Yes. Nice. Written by Tom King, drawn by Elsa Charitier, uh, colored by Matt Hollingsworth, letter by Clayton Cowles. This, it, it continues the same pulpy romance feel, but there's something going on and it's getting like a little more subtle and I really appreciate it. And this one came with like a massive twist, which was, <laughs> is there more than one of her in one story and why and how many of her are there? And it's just like, it's really fucking interesting. I'm really 
I'm really, really hooked on this book, and I think it's really cool. It's hard to talk about without... First of all, it's a very twisty storyline, so it's hard to talk about for that reason. Mm-hmm. And it's also hard to talk about because it's hard to say anything without really spoiling. Um, yeah. I like that this one stayed in one story and didn't jump around a bit. It really stayed in this one setting and had a really cool, like, moral? Not a moral, like, like I don't know, everything was taught, like, interpreted differently, I guess you could say. And the lesson she should have learned wasn't really learned. Right, right. Like, it was really interesting. I thought it was really cool. And it's, like, different perspectives. And as someone who's come from not one, but two terrible, shitty little towns and now lives in a real city... I felt a lot for this one. So what did you think? I, I do like that twist on like the lesson learned. Yeah. Kind of like not the moral of the story, but the lesson like, Oh, instead of like doing the same thing, it's like the realization of following the same path. It's like what you missed out on. It's like, I like how it's like a different, it's almost like an X way of just crossing this path. Um, but yeah, there's, this, there's something here on like, uh, not, not, not necessarily like the double of what you said, but like, but all, like, but these consistent lessons learn that linger each time, quote unquote, each time. <laughs> um, yeah, and especially after like the the events from the second issue, like there's there's a specific thing that she wanted to learn, right. and it seemed like that kind of stayed on. So uh, we'll we'll see what the reveals are going to be. Yeah, it's it's been a ride. It's been really really good. So. <laughs> Next up, the least we can do, number two. Josue is on board finally. Yes. Very excited. Written by Yolanda Zanfardino, art by Elisa Romboli. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. I forgot they do all their own work. So, um, the least we can do, number two. I already gave my opinion on issue one, so I'll be brief. I really like it. I like that it's two creators that work so well together, have done some amazing work together, but doing something very different. Mm-hmm. And that is a post-apocalyptic fantasy world with some pretty heavy lore. That's not really their di- their deal, but they did it, and it's awesome, and I really enjoy it. This one kind of builds on all the characters. It does have a bit of a lore dump at times, teaching you how the world works, which I thought was welcome, because you don't want to do it too early in the series, like issue one, page one, yeah, because then people are just immediately overwhelmed. So I thought it was well-timed. I love the characters already, obviously. And the art is just some of their best, you know. I think this is some of the best art that Elise has done with Yolanda. So I really enjoy it. Um, now, as you didn't get a chance to review issue one, tell me what you think of the series so far. It is so fun. I think it's like, I, the, the other ones are great. Uh, but the other ones have like this like slice of life feel to it. Which is like nothing wrong with it. We fucking love those books. Um, <laughs> but this was just like so fun where it's just, I love how aggressive it is compared to the, to the other ones. Um, again, there's like almost like a little like a, a training sequence here, but yeah, there's a, there's a scope to it that's like unlike some of their other books. Uh, that is unlike uh, like their other books, and and, I, and I'm liking it. Like this one, just there's like you can definitely feel like this this could have longevity compared to like their their minis. Like, you know, like this is a team that we're familiar with. So like, like I'm probably praising those other books too for the stories, but now that they probably have like their foot in the game, like this could be like their long going book, at least like longer form than the other ones. Um, because yeah, all the all the cast, we all this this whole cast could stay for such a long time instead of just like focusing on the main character. We have a BC cast, and that's it. And that's it for the mini. I would love so much for all these characters. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and like I said, the whole 
like lore of it. it there, it's a world with lore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's the first time we got to really see them build a world with lore from the ground up. And I think it's great. I think they're doing an amazing job at that. So, yeah, good stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, moving on from there, our next book is Starhenge, number four. Jeez. <laughs> Read an illustrated letter by Liam Sharp, font by Dave Gibbons. This one takes a twist, and I loved it immediately. Um, we, we were left on a big cliffhanger in the last issue. <laughs> And as the cliffhanger resolves, we are immediately thrown into a whole stylistic change, which has happened a couple times in this book. But this one is very different. Um, and it's like a classic 80s or 70s comic book, like a horror comic. And I loved it. I loved the coloring of the pages because, you know, they didn't just leave them like the stark white. They made them that special newsprint color. Right. Which I really enjoyed. I think that was just cool. It was just really cool to tell that story like that. Especially like such a big dramatic moment to do it like that. To change it up yeah. and make it a little cartoony. I thought was great. And, of course, we do get a really cool historical lore dump as well. Um, related to Uther, I will say. <laughs> and I really liked that as well. I'm loving the balance of, like insanity but also historical that this book is doing so yeah really really cool what did you think this book is insane this book is insane where it's just like where I, where where we've been missing echo lands like this has been a gr- doing a great job especially with this like with this like interlude of a of a battle sequence which was awesome i thought especially like the 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 tree nymph like such a great design um and then yeah, and then having this like Merlin set up Uther to set up Arthur, and just like in this tale, and there's like a little like twist to it, a little turn to it, um, and then to just like have it all again to literally have it all come back at the end is like was was this part of the plan too? Like to have like a, to to just have at the end without going into spoilers because like it does come full circle. Uh, was that part of the play too? Yeah, it's. It's interesting. It's a mind-bending book. It is. <laughs> which, which, if you're familiar with Liam, makes sense. So, really, really good stuff. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. And I oh, just, just, it's an experience. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to get more. It's going to be so good. So. Especially how it says book one out of something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And our final image book of the week. So good, I accidentally bought two copies. <laughs> Do a powerbomb, number five. Fuck! Fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, written, drawn, and created by Daniel Warren Johnson with Mike Spicer's colors and Russ Wooten's letters. This book has been a highlight for us all year. Yes. It's been a highlight for, and, for non-wrestling fans. Like, we're getting books of pictures. It's like, I recommend it. Or people are like, hey, do you have copies of this one? It's like, and then we just start talking about it. It's like, oh, and I'm not, I'm not a wrestling fan. It's like, yeah, I know. Like, it's, I get it. But it's a great fucking book. Yeah. I it, uh, I mean what, what can you say? A massive twist, right? The, the end is a twist. The beginning kind of gives you a hint that something's going on, and like, yeah, I just think it's really interesting. Uh, the thing that surprised me is there's two issues left, not one. Yeah, and that's what's intriguing to me. Kind of trying to fill in how that works. You know what I mean? So. 
I loved this book. It's so cool. The hardcore match was ridiculous. It was fucking like, brutal. It was so violent. And it just but kept like, going. Uh, it was like, oh, cool. And here it is for to save the day. And just like, no. And it just kept coming back. They just kept coming back. <laughs> it was awesome. The fucking thumbtacks. So oh. <laughs> yeah, it's the kind of wrestling I'm not a big fan of, but I love this book. It was great. Um, yeah, I mean, we can't say anything about spoiling the end, and I don't want to spoil the end. But massive spoiler or massive twist that I think is a very Daniel Warren Johnson twist. Very like mess with you and mess with your perception of what this is. I loved it. I thought it was great. What do you think, dude? There's just so much to resolve. And it's like a two issues, like this fucking madman. Like, how are you going to do it while still showing us more wrestling? <laughs> yeah. Though I guess like this with this next match, it is the only time to be able to talk about what we need to talk about in the next issue. So, mm. yeah, the next issue will be that match. <laughs> And then what? You know, like, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. So I love it, though. One of the best books of the year, obviously. So the, the fucking the the chain wrapped around for the clothesline. Oh, she's so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, she's gangster as fuck. I loved it. So good. I like the swanton or senton. Yeah. To the table. So awesome. Cool. Yeah. All right. Time to shift publishers. We're going to talk about DC now. I'm going to very quickly talk about DC Terrors Through Time. Um, I'm not going to talk about everything because there are eight stories in here. Um, but it is basically scary stories. And I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It's um, especially because it's, you know, Halloween. It's very smart of them to put that out right now. Um, and it is pretty cool. It's got a little something for everybody. I will say there is a Swamp Thing story in here. Uh, so nice. recommend checking that out. It's pretty great, actually. Um, but I did really like the Super Sons one. That was fun. And there's a Damien and Deadman one that was pretty great, too. So <laughs> good stuff. Make sure to check that out. All right. Now on to the actual books. Josue, start me with Wonder Woman 792. <sighs> cool, cool, cool. Uh, Wonder Woman 792, script by Michael W. Conrad and Becky Cloonan. Uh Art by Marguerite Sa- uh, Savage and lettering by Pat Brazo. So we last left off with um, Diana and the Casitas. They went down to infiltrate this facility. Um, uh, Kale Industries is running the the security, and they're experimenting experimenting on the flowers. And then she and then Diana found the animal, the the, the lab rat, basically. And there she found cheetah very feral cheetah hopped up on on uh on the flowers and and what they're extracting from it diana is able to calm her like like she kind of just like it does have to like fight her for like a second um but at the same time she's like but because she's so doped up on or and some of the fucking kale industries people with security like shot tranks at her and then but in her adrenaline she was able to at least like kind of save diana and then passing that, she's like starting to get woozy. So they would escape, or they release all the animals and kind of like just. And, and so the facility has to like self destruct, basically. Um, this because he does ambush the security people outside. Like they just they have nowhere to go. Um, and but before leaving home, 
Diana and one of the casitas they they tie Cheetah up to a tree with the with the lasso of truth, um, and wait for her to come and wait for her to, to wake up. And Diana basically has, basically has like a heart to heart to her right with her, um, a whole conversation on trust. And like she was like like she puts her hand forward, like she leans in to release her from like the lasso, and she immediately bites her, like bites her hand. And it's like, look, I'm not I'm not gonna punch you back. Like it's it's okay. And she releases her, and it's it's like a really tender moment. And she just starts crying, and like she starts, she just went to like this like half transformation, like she's like hella cheetah up here the whole time, but then down here she's like just coming back almost, right? So it's just like yeah, like like and she and she even like confesses like yeah no like I want to heal. Um, so you turn the page, and it's literally it cuts to one week later. Uh, there's a news report that the that the milk extra that Doctor Psycho was was putting out. Um, is being recalled due to this um, unknown ingredient that's the, this unknown additive ingredient that's based that's tied to the fucking flowers. Um, so that, there goes that operation, but it's, it's basically jumpstarting the bad guys' um, plan anyway. Back at a uh, checkmate HQ, um, no solid super flirt- flirtatious moment though. Siggy and uh, and Steve are very close, are still very close together. Um, Siggy, I guess, I guess if I'm reaching and I will, um, Siggy uh, has uh, Steve mansplain the, the 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 flower to him. So there's that. Um, but anyway, as they're waiting for Diana to come back, Diana doesn't come back into the office. Instead, this very much newly reformed Cheetah comes into the office, and I guess she might be part of the mm-hmm. team now. So we'll see. This team is definitely growing. Cheetah, deserve, Cheetah definitely deserves another chance, not just like this two-dimensional um, wild Amazon-esque uh, villain for Diana. And the epilogue is Diana. The reason why Diana isn't in the office is because uh, she's flying up into space and is welcoming uh, Clark back. So this oh, could nice. be post-crisis. Uh, nice. Um, this is pre-crisis. Pre-crisis then, okay. Um, because... Clark is back before Dark Crisis starts. Oh, and then they go off to die. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Which I'm going to be talking about in my next book, too. Nice. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, and that's about it for this book. Cool. Well, that transitions very nicely to Superman, Son of Kal-El 16. Nice. Uh, written or script by Tom Taylor, art by Sian Tormi and Rorari Coleman, color by Romulo Fajardo Jr., and letter by Dave Sharp. Um, this is just kind of like a day in the life of John Kent as he goes around and does, you know, his dad's job, basically. That is his his job now, for the record, uh, so if anyone's wondering. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like a typical Superman adventure. Saves the day quickly, you know, saves a bunch of innocent people, but also takes time to go home and uses heat vision on his mom's cup of coffee because it got cold. Stuff like that. It's great. Um but then suddenly he just flies up because they make a big deal at the beginning. When he first got his super hearing, he was freaking out because he didn't know how to focus. You know, he's hearing everything at once. And his dad basically hugged him and his dad was like, you know, focus on a nearby sound so you can drown out the, the further sounds. And as his dad was hugging him, he focused on his dad's heartbeat. Oh. And so he knows what his dad's heartbeat sounds like no matter what. Oh. And he's and he's been listening for it every day since his dad <gasps> oh, left. A little radar. <laughs> and he just saved the day, and they're all like talking shit. And he just flies off immediately, 
and he's just like you know he literally like this this just this page oh no he breaks the sound barrier mm-hmm. right flying up he's tearing up he says uh there's a sound i can hear above all that a sound i haven't heard in a long time a sound that drowns all the ugly thoughts put in my head my father's heartbeat steady and strong and then you get that shot, which a bunch of people made fun of. Oh, Because they said, no father should hug their son like that. I'm like, fuck you. What you the didn't get fuck? hugged. Get hugged by your father. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. It's so fucking stupid. But yeah, Clark's back. And that's funny because he met him in the air, too. So I imagine like <laughs> I imagine like Wonder Woman showed up. I was like, hey. And he's like, hey, my kid's on the way. She's like, oh, all right, I'll talk to you. Later. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love that, actually. He just met everybody in the air as he got there. Like, <laughs> it's so great. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed this. There's only two issues of this book left before it gets rebranded. So I like how it's just like it's super like just like circumstantial. And it's like it's just a coincidence. But Clark is is probably like, geez, guys, like let me fucking land first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like when you drive somewhere to see your family. You've been in the car for like five hours. Yeah, and they're like hugging you, and you're like, can I get inside, please? <laughs> can I get a cup of water, please? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. All right, next up is Dark Crisis, Worlds Without the Justice League Green Arrow. This is my favorite of these, by the way, Ooh, cool. by a wide, wide margin. Nice. And probably because Green Arrow is my favorite character of all these <laughs> by a wide, wide margin. Um, so there's two stories, as always. There's the Green Arrow, and then there's a backup story at the end. Uh, the Green Arrow, Stephanie Phillips, Clayton Henry, Marcelo Maiolo, and Letter by Troy Pateri. It's written by Stephanie Phillips, so surprise, it's my favorite. <laughs> so um, the backup story is written by Dennis Culver. Drawn by Nick Varela, cover by Romulo Fardo Jr., and letter by Troy Pateri. Um, so basically, it's like these worlds that are like the perfect worlds for them. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? Anyone who loves Green Arrow, especially the Mike Grell run, Green Arrow is Robin Hood. <laughs> and uh, he's got his Merry Men, which is all his sidekicks. And and then uh, the bad guy, is the, the uh, sheriff of Nottingham is uh, Malcolm Merlin. And he just keeps stealing from him and giving the money to the poor and stuff. It's great. But then he finds out, like, he's chasing him through the forest. And then suddenly he's in this city. And he find, you find out that that's where Black, uh, Black Canary is. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and I love this, it's basically that she doesn't fit into his perfect world. Oh. But his perfect world isn't perfect without her. Uh-huh. So the world has to be two things for him to be truly happy. Jeez. It has to be this urban landscape that she prefers, but there's also a forest in the middle of the city that is basically Nottingham Forest. And it's just like their love is so powerful, they can't be without each other. Oh, And so there's, there's a version of her there, and they get to know each other and stuff. And then the backup story is Black Canary's world, and guess who's there? A version of Arthur. Oh, they literally can't get away from each other. <laughs> also, yeah, this, this this design. Yeah. Like a futuristic design for Art Green Arrow. I really liked it. So, yeah, it, it was just really sweet to kind of focus on how much love the two of them have for each other. And how it's kind of like the, one of the most underrated, like, relationships in all of DC. Mm-hmm. Of how intense it is. So I know, really I know good Mars uh, loves this couple. Oh, they're great. They're great. I, I did not like them on Arrow. Okay. A lot of people hated Felicity and wanted um, wanted him to get with Laurel. I didn't like that. I didn't like Laurel very much in that show. Um, but other than that, I that's my only ship for Green Arrow. There's no other Green Arrow really in the ship. So that's the only one that matters. So yeah. Good stuff, though. Setting up for Dark Crisis, which is basically over. So cool. Uh, so next up, the conclusion. 
And I'm so happy Josue got back on board right in time to jump on for the conclusion. I had to. I had to after I found out when I was when I finally put it in my subscription box that the next issue was the final issue. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Future State Gotham number 18. Um, written by Dennis Culver, art by Justin Greenwood, colors by Brad Simpson, and, and uh, letter by Troy Pateri. Now, here's the funny thing. Josue missed a couple issues of Future State Gotham. And we're both big fans of the show community. Yeah. And we're both big fans probably of that episode with the, the different timelines where they roll the dice to see who has to go get the pizza. Oh, totally. And everybody's familiar with the scene where Troy comes back with the pizza and everything's on fire. <laughs> I imagine that's Josue coming back to future state Gotham after three issues. Being like, what happened? I was gone for three issues. Literally reading 16, 17 and 18 was such a fucking ride. <laughs> <laughs> so, because you went from like two Batman to seven, and yeah, <laughs> like, it's and, just like, like just making fun of Dick the whole time, and then just like, whew, holy shit, <laughs> ghosts and shit. Okay, I, for a second I did forget. Um, I, I I forgot Hush came into play, so the whole time I, yeah. I thought um that that Batman was just like a figment of Damien's imagination, but then they were talking to that Batman. I was like, oh wait, oh that's right, I, I'm remembering everything now because <laughs> it's so crazy. Um, it, this this was an appropriate end to this series. <laughs> um, Dick is ridiculous, and I love him. Uh, he's so fucking stupid. Uh, because I'm Batman. It's like Jesus, dude. We got it, okay? Like, um, and he does everything he does is so dramatic in this issue, and I love it. <laughs> it's so way over the top. I'm just saying, like, I know Tim's by, but like he's dick is way too dramatic to be a straight man is all i'm gonna say so um the weird thing about this is the decision was made to add color halfway through this issue <laughs> it it's very strange isn't it it is like and it, and it coincides with surprise dick grayson sacrifices himself yeah so my theory is there was no color because Dick Grayson would not allow there to be color. Because <laughs> he was Batman. <laughs> he needed the color to absorb the light to, so he can be the one with yeah. the shadows. What if what if his Batman suit was the most ridiculous colors you can imagine and didn't match? But they weren't even blue. It wasn't even a blue suit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it looked absolutely ridiculous. And he's like, no, this shit's in black and white till I die at least. So, yeah, we never get to see it. Uh, good ending for Jason, I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the ending of like the new Batman, Peacekeeper Red, and Hunter Panic as a little trio being the new like Gotham vigilantes. Right. I'm here for that story. I'd be so that down. sounds cool as hell. Honestly, I'd be so yeah. down for this continue in its own else worlds if this was supposed to like if this ended up being that. I'll take a it. A little more grounded. <laughs> this was one of the most fun books. Like and we complain about too many bat books, but this is one that we consistently enjoyed because it was, I mean, no stakes to continuity, hella high stakes in the books every time. It was very much apparent. And also the little tease. I like that this Bruce, like, or like the, how they, they make the fact with like the, there's a Bruce with a cane because he got so beat up. And then, um, yeah. but he still has another role to fulfill. Something beyond what I'm used to. It's like, bro, come on, add one more vigilante to this shit. Do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I, I would definitely be down for another book that's a little more grounded. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> maybe max two Batman, maybe. <laughs> like, so, but yeah, really, really cool. I enjoyed it. The Joe Chill. Once they revealed the Joe Chill twist, I was like, "This book is hilarious." <laughs> like, I, was like, I was like, "Let's fucking go." <laughs> like, so, it was good, and, and I, I also like that Damian Batman has a consistent suit. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a fan of that. Suit. Me neither. <laughs> I, I, I like one just, thing about that suit. I don't want him to be Batman yet. Yeah, I don't totally he's not. A kid, <laughs> like, like we'll talk about that a bit. Anyways, next book, Batgirls number eleven. I'll be quick with this one. Um, I liked. It. I thought it was really fun. Written by Becky Clooney and Michael Conrad. Art by Neil Gouge. Art by Scott Godlewski. Um, Wayne Foucher inks, Rico Renzi colors, and Becca Carey lettering. The one of the keys to this is the cute guy that Stephanie met in the last issue mm-hmm. is a character from Gotham Academy, Kyle Mizuguchi, and his little sister Maps. Well, I guess they de-age them for this series, which is something they keep doing for this series. Mm-hmm. It's not going over well with fans of those characters. Yeah, uh, I'm less upset about these characters than I was about Cass and Stephanie because. No offense, I never read Gotham Academy, so right, right. I didn't really care, but it's fun. It's establishing like relationships. Like Stephanie has a crush on Kyle, and Maps and Cass like immediately click as friends who get into like mischief together. So that's cool. But we do get the solution of who the serial killer leaving all the clues is, and of course it's the Riddler because they're riddles. Of course, of it's course. The so that's going to lead to the final confrontation. So good stuff. I do want to read Gotham Academy initially, though. So I see them all the time at the store. They, it does look interesting. Yeah. All right. Let's keep this Gotham train rolling. Batman versus Robin number two. Uh, mother. I'm going to do my very best here. Written by Mark Wade, drawn by Mahmoud Asrar, colored by Jordi Belair, and lettered by Steve Wands. I just don't think this is going to be for me. <laughs> like, like. <laughs> I just, I, I said it in the last issue. I don't want a story where Damien is the bad guy. I don't either. <laughs> it's like, and I keep, I know he'll come around. I know that. Yeah. But uh, it's just, it was just so awkward. Like, fall, like, like, like we talked about, like in the, in the first part of this one, it was so awkward going 17 issues following him in a great story. Um, all to just be abruptly just have like, the teeth already sunken, sunken into him. He's way, yeah. he's way more than that. He's been way more than that. And as we mentioned, the suit, we get the Damien Batman 666 suit reveal for him as a child, which is ridiculous, first of all. And second of all, it's a very impractical suit for someone like Damien. Yeah. Like with that giant collar and the huge cloak and stuff. The trench coat. Like Damien's an, yeah, Damien's an assassin. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't see him being caught dead dressed like that for some reason. I don't know. I always, I never liked that suit. I only like the pop collar because it's just so ridiculous. But I, but as yeah. as much as I sh- I would be, I, I I don't like the trench on him either. Yeah, and we get a couple revelations here, uh, specifically that the other Robins seem to be under mind control or are going to work for him. I don't know if I like that because now it's Batman against his entire family. And if he wins, what does that say about his family? Uh-huh. And we get the other revelation, which I actually like, which is that 
it's not actually Alfred, which is good because I did not want Alfred to come back to life. Um, I thought he's so much more interesting dead, which sounds horrible, mm-hmm. but the way it affected Damien, the way it affected Dick, the way everybody's dealing with it, it really made the Bat universe different. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So I really like that. I, I'm glad it's not really him. Mm-hmm. So and I hope there isn't a catch at the end where he comes back to life or something like that. If so. this is the book to do it, because I was willing, to, I was willing to believe it, and so I'm still not sure. Is like, uh, like, of course, like the bait and switch here, um, but but you're absolutely right though. Like like all the bat books, all the good bat books have been much more interesting dealing like with like a- with actually having time to mourn uh, in arcs, not just by issues, but like if in full arcs, like having to mourn this like father figure of theirs. Um, like Nightwing and Day- like in the Robin book. Exactly, yeah. Which brings me to our final DC book of the week. Number one, Batman Incorporated. Um, written by Ed Brisson. Art by John Timms. Colors by Rex Locus. And letter by Clayton Cowles. It's a busy first issue. Mm. There's a lot of characters. And this is one of those books that I think if you don't know who the characters are, I don't know how much you're going to be able to keep up with it. Okay. Um, I think a slower start would have helped introducing some characters because I mean, this is that's the, they all come into play. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. And there's more than this. Oh my God. Just some of them. Right. Okay. And also we've talked about man of bats in the past. Yeah. 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 Which is just like, okay. (laughs) Like, so, um, it's cool. There's a couple things I really enjoyed. Uh, I like a lot of the characters. Um, I uh, I like Hiro, the Japanese Batman. I think he's cool. Um, I like um, I like Ghostmaker for the most part. Um, I really like that the the UK Batman. His name was Knight. He had a sidekick named Squire, and he's actually stepped down, and Squire's taken over. Oh, cool! So now Squire's Knight, and Squire's a woman. And, um, yeah, the, w- one of the things about this book that I, I, I hope it's the writer cause it's Ed Brisson. Ed Brisson's a good dude. I hope it's him calling it out in character because he can't do anything about it editorially, mm-hmm. but, uh, Knight as, or Squire as Knight is talking to a female character and says, given any more thought to join up with Batman incorporate, this is like the first page and says, we can use another woman on this team desperately and that's when i remember there's one woman on this entire roster oh wow okay yeah and i was like oh fuck <laughs> like and i was like that puts a whole different spin on this and i'm like way to be uh, uh incorporated <laughs> yeah i was like okay and again i'm not blaming the creative team or anything like that because i know they can only really work with what they can work with and there might be another character added kind of in this in the arc long story short the story is when Batman traveled around the, the world, he hired specialists to teach him to do different things. So like hand or, or like hand to hand combat or just dumb stuff like driving cars, you know, like, right. So he'd be the best at everything. Well, Ghostmaker did the same thing. He, he did the, with the same people. Well, now someone's killing all of those people using their own, uh, own specialty. So like, if it's someone who's really good with knives, it's someone who basically stabbed that guy to death mm-hmm. or, there's a guy who's really good at street racing. He out street roast him and killed him and like all this stuff. So it's someone killing the legacy of their training and stuff like that. It's really interesting. <laughs> um, I hope they simplify it a little bit. Yeah. 
It's too busy. Yeah. Other than that, I like it. Um, and I just can't stand Man of Bats because he's just <laughs> ridiculous looking. Yeah. So, at least it's not the it's it's not the other one where he's on a buffalo. That was my roommate is Native American, and he was like, "What the fuck are you holding?" And I was <laughs> like, sorry. "Yeah, I know." And I was like, "No, that's that's the Native American Batman." And he's like, "He rides a buffalo," and I'm like, "I I didn't ride it, bro." <laughs> like, so, yeah, but. I just think, and then super. I had to tell him about Super Chief, and yeah, we're just not going to get into all that. So. But yeah, good stuff. Um, I think it's off to a decent start. Again, I think we need to introduce the characters more. Yeah. And slow it down a little bit. I think that would be a great book. So, Which brings us to our final publisher, which is Marvel. Uh, <laughs> we only have a few Marvel books this week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> like, so here we go. Wakanda, number one. Did you pick it up? I can't no. remember. You ready for this variant cover? But I am after I found out. Oof, that's cool. After I found out that it's going to be kind of an anthology series of a, of a series. It'll be a mini. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's good. I think it's going to be a mini. I think it's going to be anthology stories. So in this one, there's two stories. The first one is about Shuri. The second is the history of the Black Panthers themselves. Nice. I, I'm, I'm uh, sure uh, Tosin will have his own, which is like what I want to be there for. Tosin appears in this nice, issue. Good. So, written by Stephanie Williams, Paco Medina, penciling, inks by Walden Wong and Elizabeth D'Amico, colored by Brian Valenza. The second story is written by Evan Narcisse, art by Natasha Bustos, and colored by Jordi Belair, with, the, with Joe Sabino doing all the lettering. The first one is Shuri, and it's a pretty funny story because uh, basically the rhino sneaks into Wakanda <laughs> by pretending to be a rhino. <laughs> <laughs> like they're transporting eight rhinos and he just sits there and pretends to be a rhino and no one looks close <laughs> enough and I'm like Wakanda security really went downhill after 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 T'Challa left. Wow. So he he gets there, he gets all the way to the field. They let him out of the truck. And they don't realize it at any point. It's a giant white face in front of a rhino. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> so Shuri is in her lab and she's ostensibly She's trying to figure out how Tosin's biohybridized vibranium works. She's still trying to figure that out. It, nice. Yeah, that's her whole thing. Is like, how does this work? Go talk to the and people, so Shuri. <laughs> they know. Well, she's she's looking she's looking at pictures of Tosin. She's like, hmm, how does this work? And she just keeps looking at different pictures of him and stuff like that. And her mom walks in, and it's just like, sup? And she's just like, um, it's just anime. You need a break. And, <laughs> well, she walks in. She's like, uh, you need a break. And she says, um. You know, I need to make sure our automatic security systems, blah, blah, blah. And her mom replies, and our automated systems require you to swoon over the young man on the screen. <laughs> and she's like, I, I'm not at all. I'm watching videos of Tosin purely for scientific reasons. And I'm like, I'm here for this. Let's go for that. I'm, I'm fine with that. That'd be cute, actually. So more Tosin in all Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, and then Shuri, if Rhino isn't sad enough, Shuri's able to take Rhino down by herself. So, nice. yeah. Uh, and then the history of the Black Panther one is literally like a historical recount of it with some really cool art. Like, like just check this shit out. Oh, so, throughout the, really the generations. Did. Cool. Yeah. It's really, really cool. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, it tells you a lot, like how at one point that Black Panther fought the brood and stuff oh, like stuff that people like, and just kind of fleshing out the lore and the history, which I thought was really cool. I know, so. I, I, going off topic for a second, it just, just a callback to it. it just makes me so fucking excited for that new Marvel game, the World War Two game with like it'll be with the child about the child's grandfather. 
in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I want to mm-hmm. know about that so much more. <laughs> and the next issue is my boy Umbaku. Oh, sick! Oh, so, those are yeah. cool gauntlets. Oh, that's right, it's him. Yeah. That's cool because he's space Umbaku. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. I'm very, it's it's really cool. It's a great companion to the Black Panther series going right now. Nice. I'll probably jump on it then. Yeah. Speaking of jumped on, I don't even have to ask because I know. Josue, let's talk about another number one. Namor, the Submariner number one. Written by Christopher Cantwell. Yes. Drawn by Pasquale Ferry. Colored by Matt Hollingsworth. And lettered by Jakara Magna. How spoiled are we as a comic book industry that we have an amazing alternate universe tale of both Aquaman and Namor at the same time? Oh, right. Between Andromeda and this, it's just like, we got some crazy shit going on <laughs> about two characters that people just shit on regularly. So, um, I was going to ask, did you see the second Black Panther trailer yet? No, no, I'm not watching those. I, I, oh, I'll probably go to the movies it. and it'll play it for me and I'll be so pissed then. But no, I'm not I'm not willingly watching it. I just it. wanted to see what you thought of Namor, because yeah. I did see, like, I mean, certain gifs of, like, when he hops in the air and it does look sick as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, this is a futuristic world where... The polar ice caps have melted and the world is flooded and very little of it is above water. And Namor now rules it because he's like, well, you're underwater now. You're mine now. <laughs> so, well, I mean, <laughs> he ruled it. I'll say I like the bit that they're basically like, yeah, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people went off to fight the Kree because the Kree are the ones who did it. Like uh, every last superpower, one of them saved the mutants. They took this as a sign to fully leave the planet, which I was like, "Fuck yeah, <laughs> good for the mutants." Yep, because they're like, th- th- "This planet has done nothing but shit on us since we got here." And fuck y'all, y'all fucking ruined this planet. We have another planet. Fuck you. We're going to Mars. Like I love that. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so much of it is underwater. Namor helped establish it and then passed on the rule. And now he's just like a citizen, but he's like an honored citizen. Yeah. Like, he definitely saw some influence. It, yeah. He passes on to Namora in case anyone's wondering. Oh, um, that too much. Oh, no, you're right. Namora took over. Yeah. And so he's he's kind of like the ambassador between the dry land and the underwater because he is literally of both worlds. And there is a colony of humans underwater that are living in like a big bubble. And then there's a lot more still up on what's left of the surface. And they have no resources. <laughs> and he's trying to help them, which is really cool because Namor has always been like the hot-headed asshole. And he seems to be like the one person that wants to bring this all together, which I think is really cool. I love the older cap design. Oh, I know. So good. Very, very good. Um I think that's really cool. Um, I like the older Luke Cage design. Mm-hmm. My boy got chops, <laughs> which is great. And yeah, just kind of teasing like the political ramifications of all this. And a tease by the Human Torch. Yes. Which we'll see what that's going to mean. Mm-hmm. And which torch is it? Oh, I think we have an idea. I mean, like for someone who for someone to get a reaction like that from Namor, I think we should get a clear, clear indication of which one. Well, because him and Jim Hammond yeah. were the first two Marvel heroes. But Namor does have a history with the Fantastic Four, too. That's true, too. But I want to say with, hmm. I'm, I'm leaning with Jim only for, like, I guess, like, just taking it yeah. all the way back. Be cooler. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. But I really liked this. I thought it was really cool. I like the idea of the flooded world, even if Waterworld is one of the worst movies ever made. Um, <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was very dope. And I again, I like the older Cap. I like the older Luke. I think that's a cool design. And I like the idea of, you know, Atlantis is basically ruling the entire world now because almost everything is underwater. Yeah, from seven. And everything's very, very dependent on them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what do you think? No, I mean, like, yeah, from like a planet 70% inhabited by water to what, maybe 95% water now. It's like, it just fucking sucks. Um, I'm very excited for this book on where, where it's going to go. Just, uh, there was a tease on like, Oh, like pretty much like everybody's been wiped out or gone, but you might see some familiar faces. I didn't think the, the first two familiar faces to see were regular mortals. I thought we we're going to see like some, like some other, like otherworldly deities to, to actually hang around. But, uh, it's cool. I was like, anybody can come into play now. It's just, like to see who, who did stay or, who else is around like lingering lingering around the planet um i'm curious if the mutants went to uh to shiar instead of mars i feel like the crew would have been like and wipe the second the next planet over too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we'll i don't think we're going to address it to be right honest. Th- I that directly really I don't think so aren't there mm-hmm. so because namer is also a mutant so do they want to tell him being torn three directions oh yeah no, no. And, no and, and it was very much apparent like when like the other heroes went up into space, space and never came back. It was because they very much died. They, they, they just, or at the very least, most yeah. of them did, and then it's like hard to come back. But I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be one of those cameos. Very good book. Definitely. Very good what if book. I like it. Yeah. Next up, Punisher War Journal Brother, mm. um, written by Torin Gronbeck, who's been doing the Valkyrie yeah. stuff lately. Uh, art by Rafael Pimentel, club by Matt Meehan, letter by Corey Petit. This cover, I just love it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had to get it. So they're doing these Punisher War journals, which are like side stories to kind of fill in the Punisher lore right now. Mm-hmm. This one is fantastic. Ooh. So uh, someone hires everyone to try to find the Punisher and kill him. Ooh. It's the dark web. And there is there's a pool of money they put together. And basically, the money is used to reward people as um, they assist to, in finding him. If they find evidence of him, they get money. And if he's killed, whoever killed him gets whatever's left. And the pool starts at $500 million. <laughs> so there's bits where this kid, this little kid, uh, takes a picture of him at one location and is given $500,000. Damn! Like and it just keeps happening. People taking videotapes and then like, they're like, "Can you see what weapons he has?" And some girl does like a video of him, like saw he only has a blade on him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And this little kid tries to shoot him because he knows about it. And, like all this stuff's happening, and it becomes this massive free for all where everybody's trying to be the person to kill him, but they don't want to let anyone else kill him, so they can't really work together. So they're also turning on each other the entire time. It's like smoking aces, and it's yeah, and it's Frank. <laughs> so of course he uses that to his advantage. It's an incredibly bloody, violent book. It's just like the Punisher War Journals of old. I mean, you can guess who's standing at the end, but it's right, just exactly. so good. <laughs> like he just absolutely obliterates people, and he does run into his old enemy Jigsaw. Ooh, okay. So that makes it nice and fun. We have another Punisher War Journal coming out called Punisher War Journal Base. Is the next one? Mm. So good stuff. And that takes us to Genusville number four. I'll be so quick with this one because it's a four of five. Written by Peter David, art by Juan and Ramirez, colored by Federico B, and letter by Ariana Mayer. 
Um, this is about Genusville and Rick and everything going on there. It spends a lot more time in the in the flashback portion of it mm-hmm. because we're doing it two times instead of the the flash forward part. Um, but we do end up in the flash forward part. Basically, we see Genusville have a really hardcore fight with somebody in the past, which is just starting up again in the present at the end. But it is four or five. It looks like says so because it, it says to be concluded. So I'll have more about it that time. Next up, Ghost Rider 7. Here's the thing. Every cover was sold out except this Beyond Amazing one. Okay. And I'm like, I want a Ghost Rider cover. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I was really annoyed by that. I do like the ultimate comics aesthetic. Yeah, it definitely has because the bars on the Mm -hmm. side and everything. Yeah. Um, What's your cover look like? Because I haven't seen the A cover. It's just like him ripping through it. Oh, it's so With the FBI badge. Yeah. Nice. Uh, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Corey Smith, inked by Oren Jr., colored by Brian Valenza, and lettered by Travis Lanham. I mean, we get to see Agent War Road and Ghost Rider finally meet up, which is cool. Mm-hmm. We get to, she she finds out more about him essentially, and we get to see them essentially agree to partner partner up. That's what we're going towards, which is good because that's why I wanted to happen from the beginning. Um. And we get the debut of Exhaust, which we talked about a couple episodes ago in the news. And fucking hell, what a weird character. I love it. It's it's such a Ghost Rider character. Because mm-hmm. Ghost Rider is so like, yeah, he's a demon, but he also rides a motorcycle. <laughs> like, and it's just like such a ridiculous idea. And then like, what about a bad guy that's a demon and a motorcycle at the same time? And it's like, yes, yes, give that man a raise. So, yeah, um... I thought it was really cool. It was more of an introduction of that, of exhaust and then kind of like teasing the partnership between the two of them and revealing this all goes back to him being King of the hell, King of hell basically, which is cool because I know you really liked that arc. I believe remember correctly. it was just, it was, it was unfinished. It was starting up. It was setting up so well where it had all the right vibes that that, uh, bedroom Percy was hitting. Like it was, it was reaching dark aspects like that. Bertrand Percy was just like, let me just, let's just fucking go boss to the walls with it. Um, so it is very cool that there's an like, acknowledgement of this just as very recent, like previous run. Um, cause that felt important. He was literally the king of hell and it was corrupting him. And now what is this like a, it was a, a bandaid of an aftermath, like what it kind of was like in his skull. So, and that, and that's been like the repercussion to just rush it so, so fast. And like while getting meta and not getting meta. <laughs> and also this fucking page of black, of black heart is just, Oh, I, oh, I yeah. love black heart so much. <laughs> He's great, dude. Nice. Yeah, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Next up, Black Panther number 10. I got the Miracle Man cover. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, written by John Ridley. Art by Herman Peralta. Colored by Jesus Zabertoff. And letter by Joe Sabino. You guys might remember the last time we reviewed Black Panther. And we couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um, because of... Yeah, the, <laughs> the characters, <laughs> the colonialist <laughs> and the buffalo soldier. I I did not think it was possible, but they made me like the buffalo soldier by the end of the book. John fucking I was Ridley, like, man. I was like, I love this character. I hope he comes back. I'm like, why am I thinking this? <laughs> like, um, but yeah, I mean, it was a nice little two issue arc about T'Challa, you know being the leader of the Avengers because he's lost Wakanda. This is what he has left, basically. Um, and he ends up saving the day while getting very, very critically injured. 
Um, very interesting to see how this goes forward with him as ostensibly the leader of the Avengers. Steve seems to have some questions about that now, you know, like, yeah, you weren't really here. You know what I mean? So I thought that was kind of an interesting tale. Um, but yeah, it was pretty cool. What did you think? Um, yeah, honestly, the, the fact that John really could turn us around with, uh, <laughs> the Buffalo soldier, um, and yeah, like the fact that we got that, like that little hi- history lesson uh, with him because yeah, shit gets fucked up in in the real world in our real history. Uh, but uh, <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and there was like a weird call out with like the ghosts or like the the colonialist, uh, like his like the 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 girls that he had like in trance with, like they always like kept talking shit. Is like so why don't they do anything about it? And at the end, it was kind of like that's literally like what what how they turned around on the puppet. And then, yeah, the whole Steve doubting um, T'Challa. But I love Shuri, though. I love how just like, I love how she was like, ah, this is an Avengers club. And it's like, yeah, maybe I'm just being predictive. It's like, is she going to step up to be an <laughs> Avenger now? That sounds dope. Yeah. As long as it's comic Shuri. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it. I'm curious to see where we're going to go from here. Mm-hmm. Part of me was like, is this a finale? Is this the end? Right, because it, it did say end, though... After just two issues, because definitely the whole long shadow was definitely the eight arc run, and then we had these two parter to just have it say end. It's just like I'm, I'm so curious. And then we we're talking yeah. about, we we're talking I about definitely like the, it's the end of the arc, but I mean, like, is the book over? <laughs> right. Like, and like to just, I was gonna check for solicits, see if it's still going to just like kick off Wakanda like right on, on the same week. And then we were talking about like the weird misprint in the back on like which one, where, where does it lean? So, um. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't want to. I, I don't want this book to end. It was. It was awesome. Yeah, uh, there is an there is an eleven. That cover is for cover eleven. By the way. Oh, okay, cool. So it was a little. Mishap. I just saw it. So yeah. All right. Well, that brings me to All Out Avengers number two. Oh man, this might be one of my favorite Peach Momoko covers ever. Ooh. Oh wow! That oh, she looks so good. Yeah, Kate Bishop, baby, who's not in this book, by the way. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, written by Derek Landry, penciled by Greg Land, inked by Jay Lyston, colored by Frank Darmada, and lettered by Corey Petit. This continues that tradition of like nonstop Spider-Man, where it's just insane action. We'll explain what's going while we're going, basically. <laughs> Walk and talk. <laughs> like, so, In the last issue, the Avengers were confronted by Doctor Doom. That was pretty much the end, right? Yeah. The very first page... Doctor Doom wielding Captain America's shield and Mjolnir saying Avengers Assemble. Because, yeah, <laughs> sure. We'll tell you how we got here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Moving on. The man was gone. Basically, basically what happened is there was a gem that separated. Uh, it's called the Soul Splitter, and it split Doctor Doom's soul into two parts. Mm-hmm. There's the evil Doctor Doom. I think they called him Dark Doom. Uh-huh. And then there's the good Doctor Doom, which is all of his goodness. This is that one. And they acknowledge him as a new member of the Avengers. He is an Avenger. <laughs> okay. Sure. So for those out there with some trivia, Dr. Doom is now an Avenger. <laughs> um, and they fight him. You know, you find out that Captain Marvel, uh, Thor, and Captain America have already been captured by Evil Doom. And so it's up to She-Hulk, Iron Man, uh, Blade, and Good Doom, which they just call Victor or Vicky. And um, they have to work together to stop him. And basically, they do. And the only way to stop him is to break the Soul Splitter crystal, 
to re- re- return his two souls. And this good Victor's like, I don't want to be with him again. I like being a good guy. Like basically. Um, also, this shot of She-Hulk. Oh, great! Yeah, great shot. Shit. And I love the way they describe her about how she's like um, a strength rising to match that of the Hulk itself, but applied judiciously, strategically. <laughs> nice. It's like you know some fo- some foes need brute force to overcome. Some need intelligence. She-Hulk has it all, which I think is really cool. Very good. But he wipes he wipes the floor with everybody, including Good Doom. But leaves himself open to let um, Blade grab the Soul Splitter, throws it to Good Doom, who's like, "I'm gonna crush it." And then Evil Doom's like, "No, no, no! You'll race us both. Don't you want to live?" And he's just like, "Nah," and just crushes it basically. <laughs> and they reform into Doctor Doom. And um, Stark is like, "Hey, Vic, you okay?" And he goes, "Your friends have released Stark. You may leave my country." He goes, so back to normal, are we? He goes, you may leave. Damn. And then the best part is, is Tony says, you saved our lives, Victor. Thank you. Avengers assemble and left. So it's basically like, you're an Avenger now. And I'm like, yes! Like, it was <laughs> fucking great. It was ridiculous. And, like, none of this was explained for, like, three three pages. You had to just hold on. Like, it's just, it's nonstop Spider-Man. <laughs> like, it's just like, here we go. Um, the next summary of the issue is, with an unending swarm of Red Skull LMDs on the loose, the Avengers have one last chance to turn the tide before they're completely overwhelmed, even if that means teaming up with the original Red Skull to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so they're just, they're just doing shit, and I love sure. it. <laughs> it's like these stories, they're not, like, we're not sure how this would work. Let's just fucking do them. So, good stuff. Next up, Daredevil, number four. Yes. Yes. What an issue. Fucking Christ, um, yes. <laughs> written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Rafael De La Torre, color by Matt Wilson, and letter by Clayton Cowles. I love that occasionally we get Rafael De La Torre as the artist because even though it's not Chichetto, I think Rafael has such a perfect style to compliment Chichetto occasionally. Oh, yeah. That it's such a good pairing of artists. I really, really like that. So This is basically the most twisted wedding in comics which is great yeah um and essentially matt and electra fight a bunch of ghosts and by surviving they're now married (laughs) it's great also we get daddy daredevil which is great with the hood and everything good look very good look also electra with the coat yes this is a great look for both of them yeah also, we get a lot more of Cole, which I love because I love Cole. He's one of my favorite new like Daredevil lore characters. Oh, like, yeah, same. And so he gets to find his spot in this world where he's just kind of like, I'm, I'm just a cop. You know what I mean? Like, so it's so good. And it's it's all about the prophecy of the fist. And it's just really good. And I know I think I remember the prophecy says one of them is going to die. Mm hmm. So I'm really worried, but yeah, it's so. And why is Foggy there? Like, I know why he's there in story. They say why he's there because Matt's like he gets me out of trouble. But why is he there in Zadarsky's mind? <laughs> like, that's my. I question. mean, I'm sure there's a whole other play, but I mean, yeah. But in the book, it's also like to keep him away from the the the, the angel guy. I forget the one that blew up the fucking train. Yeah, but he didn't bring everybody. No, but I mean, like, <laughs> at, least, at least Foggy. I, yeah, I, I guess I guess that makes sense. But I'm just. But I'm like, what's what's he gonna do? What's Chip gonna do to him? Is he gonna kill him? I'm gonna be furious. <laughs> like so, yeah, 
Great stuff, though. What do you think? Anything you want to add? Also, Doc Sasquatch. Leonard? Oh, fuck yeah. I forgot. Um, no, it's Doc Samson. Yeah. I mean, like, they called him Doc Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, because he looked like Sasquatch the way he's trying um, so. Did not see that one coming. Yeah. I yeah that was really cool. Let me let me pull it up. Here. But yeah, I, I like how I like how like it's like because we love Cole, and Cole was very just like apprehensive about the whole capes and shit. Like it's like I'm, I'm all about I'm a cop and I'm all about the law, but he's been put he, he's put in his position where he just has to accept all of these things right now. Like the whole conversation with with uh, Samson, which is very good. It wasn't just like know about it all, but it's just like oh like there was this whole other side of Daredevil that. I just wasn't trying to accept. And now it's like, it's very fucking important. So uh, like, I'm, I'm excited for his fucking role in this uh, above all else. Yeah. I love doc Samson slash doc Sasquatch. That is what they call him there, but yeah, I've never heard that name. I like that actually. So. <laughs> oh, no, but, but I'm in, uh, but then you got, Sa- but then you got Sasquatch from alpha flight. So it's true. Like, that's weird. Um, but, so. but I'm in a uh, Cole's role in all of this. Oh yeah. 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 No, I mean, he's been like, the X factor this entire run. And he was missing for a while too. Like he, I mean, he wasn't in play for a while. So it's like, he got yeah. fired, right? I think so. Yeah. But, but in the books, like he was just like missing for a while. So I'm sure yeah. he'll be more apparent now, just being part of this, uh, this is side. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited about that. All right. Now we're going to journey to a galaxy far, far away. Very briefly as Keith talks about star Wars, star Wars, the high Republic. Number one, it is back. The next era of star Wars, the high Republic. Written by Kevin Scott, art by Ario Anadito, color by, or inked by Mark Morales, colored by Frank William, and letter by uh, Ariana Mayer, uh, with backup story art by Andrea Bricardo. Um, th- this is really cool. I like this setting. It's set in a large, like, religious city that has multiple religions. It's called Jeddah. And it's like all these multiple religions trying to get along this very grumpy ass Jedi shows up and is assigned there. And he's given kind of an annoying uh, Padawan who chatters a lot. And it's like automatically you're like, I like this, you know, I like this interaction. These two of him being like, eh, and her being like that. It's a good like combination, but it, it is like a, a down to earth star Wars story. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot like, like Andor, actually, <laughs> like you know, it's down to earth. It's in the streets and things like that, and I really liked it. And I like this new character quite a bit because I think he's got this. He's got this. I don't know. There's something about him that makes him not just like a normal Jedi who has everything figured out. Because I think that's where Star Wars falls into traps sometimes. Is where you make the Jedi so good at being a Jedi that they're boring as hell. Right. You know what I mean. So. But yeah, it's going to be a very political book, it feels like, and I, I'm really enjoying it so far. I love everything in the High Republic. I wish they would do more with it. I wish they'd make some TV shows and movies from the High Republic, personally, but mm-hmm. we'll see. I, I really liked it. Good good relaunch, and excited to see where else they go. Which brings me to my other Star Wars book, Star Wars Visions. I got the Chris Bacalo cover. Oh, nice. Which is insanity. Is really <laughs> like, cool. And I love it. One day when we read Age of Apocalypse, you're going to see the most insane Chris Bacalo art in the history of Chris Bacalo art. I'm very excited. So Awesome. Uh, story and art for this is by Takashi o- Okazaki uh, with Akia Yanagi doing the English translation. Letters by Joe Karab Magna. Now, Star Wars Visions is a series where it was Star Wars stories done in anime style. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, this is a manga style for a comic. Um, and... 
this is I mean just just look at the first page. Oh, that is awesome. It's some of the most glorious art I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like it's so fucking good. And it's done in this hyper stylized way. And one thing I was telling Josue about that's really cool is there's no color in the book unless a lightsaber is pulled. Yeah. That's the only color in the entire book, which is one of the most creative, cool ideas. And there's a lot of like, it's really a traditional Japanese like manga story, manga story, but with Star Wars little traits and stuff. Um, so like they're in a hot spring relaxing and things talking about the people who they've killed and they use the words like Ronin and things like that. It's really cool. At one point there's these Ewoks at the hot spring chilling with the droid. Nice. And they're gambling and playing dice and the Ewoks are cute as hell. Let me see. There's another shot. Oh, I think it's on the other page. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're just chilling and gambling with them and stuff. And, Basically, uh, the main character, who is a Ronin, uh, presumably a fallen Jedi, is talking to this blind monk, and who sees everything. Doesn't you know? He sees everything despite being blind. He's like, "All right, I'm going to go and go on." And at the end, the Ronin's like, "Don't you have to kill me, Master Jedi?" And the guy goes, "Hmm." And you find the blind monk is a Jedi, and that's when you get this shot. Yeah, so sick. Like, dude, this is so cool. Like, this will make so many new fans. And he cuts him down, and or he, he attacks him, but he doesn't kill him. He lets him go. And he's like, party's over. This party's over, man, and he leaves. And then the twist at the end is the uh, the droid walks up to the road and beeps up, beeps to him, and they start looking. He goes, yes, you're right. Let's go, master. <laughs> to the droid. Cool. The droid's the master? That's what the fuck, what the awesome. fuck is happening here. <laughs> like, yeah, it's... This is so interesting. I'm so excited about this. I wasn't going to pick it up. And then I looked and saw the Bacalo come from. I'm like, that looks dope as hell. And that's the only reason I picked it up. And I love it already. So good Star Wars week. Next up, swinging over to the streets of New York. And we're going to talk about some Spidey books. ASM 11. Written by Zeb Wells. Penciled by John Romita Jr. Inked by Scott Hanna. Colored by Marcio Meniz. And lettered by Joe Caramagna. Um... We are eleven episode or eleven issues in. We still don't know much about what happened, <laughs> which is starting to worry me. I'm worried they don't have an idea, <laughs> like, and they're just like, "We'll come up with it later." Um, but this is centered around the return of the hobgoblin, and which hobgoblin, you ask? I don't know. Um, and also Peter being like, "Yo, I can't date Mary Jane. Might as well date Felicia Hardy." <laughs> like, keep in mind the last issue he was he saw Gwen Stacy and told her he still loved her. So thanks, Peter. Just every woman in your life. <laughs> so good thing Betty Brant's married. <laughs> like so, um, but yeah, like we do have a hobgoblin coming back. We don't know which one. It's very interesting. We're also starting to see some cracks in Norman Osborn's stories, although he very quickly kind of fills them in. Maybe it's very coincidental. We don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. Hobgoblin's one of those you know iconic characters. You always got to have one in the Spidey books. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's Ned, do you? It's just it's so obviously just trying to make it seem like it is. I hope it's not. I like Ned. And then I want them to be happy. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Especially after just getting the reveal of like how he was able to come back or why he was able to stay alive. But uh, that same reason is probably why it's so obvious that it could be him. Yeah, I'm worried it is him. So, and also probably just like to uh, to keep the name relevant since uh, we might not see him a while in the MCU. Mm, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I completely forgot that character's name was Ned Leeds. Yeah, right. Until you just mentioned it. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like he's ever going to be Hobgoblin. That'd be hilarious. That'd be so fucking funny. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's some rumors swir- swirling about a new release date. Ooh, so, okay. Yeah. But anything else you want to add about ASM? Um, no, I- I'm just excited because I-, I also do enjoy uh, Hobgoblin. So keeping this mystery going is, is-, is exciting for me. Yeah. And I give Peter a hard time, but if I stood a remote chance with, with Felicia Hardy, I would take a shot, too. And, I, I mean, like, and so. the, the the whole, as soon as, soon as she was clear, the fact that I was like, holy fuck, it was, it was that easy. Like, the whole wobbling legs was just, like, a nice touch. Yeah. Nice. And Venom number 11. I got this variant because I just loved it. I didn't even see that one. I would have gotten that one. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> like, um, written by Rom V, pencil by Brian Hitch, inked by Andrew Curry, colored by Alex Sinclair, and letter by Clayton Cowles. This is a Dave Raposa variant, by the way. Mm. So, um, this is the start of a new arc called Venom World, and it's aptly named. We're back to Dylan. We're back to Dylan, and we don't have to worry about the insane timeline of whatever the fuck is happening to Eddie Brock. Um, Basically, Dylan was so critically injured, Venom couldn't save him. Venom took off and made a copy of his personality. Uh, or actually took his personality. He didn't make a copy. Yeah. He took the copy of it. And now Dylan's body is going to die, but he has a copy. And his soul is trapped in Venom. And we get to see a really cool like storyline about how he's going to have to try to get out. I think that looks like a lot of fun with a big reveal. Um, we also get a little bit more update about what's going on uh, otherwise with the with like the other symbiotes of the Dylan like area. So, for instance, um, Sleeper. We get to see Sleeper a bit yeah. in, in cat form, which is cool. I love Sleeper. Mm-hmm. But that also leads to Hank Hensley. Yeah. Which I I was like, wait, what? I was like, oh my god, what, a, what? Okay, let's go. Let's fucking go. And that leads to the actual revelation that we might be seeing the real sleeper back, mm-hmm. uh, which is a badass character design, by the way. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. So cool stuff. I'm curious to see where it's going. What do you think? Uh, I, really, I, I really like, like the split story, to be honest. Um, but obviously, I think, I think I think I am favoring the the Dylan side of it all. I, I think I will love the, the Eddie Brock once we see the grand picture of it all. Um but right now, like issue by issue, I think it's like Dylan is just like the easier one to di- to di- to di- digest. Um but this idea right now on on like their relationship right now, like where Dylan is, I like how like the symbiote called it out, how like it's it's kind of fucking weird right now how the symbiote is the host and Dylan is somewhat the parasite or the, the somewhat the symbiote inside yeah, of it yeah. all. So it's like, Oh cool. Like we, we literally flip, flip the whole dynamic, but there's a purpose to it. Like the flipping the page to, to this one was very, was very interesting. And obviously we, we want to know what's inside the, that, that, um, 
that gem, that, that, that Clintar, as aptly as, as put. So, yeah, I just like, I love this one. And yeah, Sleeper is just fucking awesome. I, I really like Sleeper as well. Yeah, good stuff. All right, now we're going to move over to Krakoa, and we're going to give you guys a fair warning. It's a while. We have 10 books that are either Krakoa or Axe related. <laughs> I promise not to spend too much time on any of these. Especially this one. Gambit number four. Written by uh, Chris Claremont and Sid Cotian. Um, no, sorry. Written by Chris Claremont. Drawn by Sid Cotian. Colored by Esprin Grudinger and lettered by Clayton Cowles. Um, it seems like the two characters from the previous arc are going to stick around. The hot young chick and her grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's like Remy's new partner. And they go to a Leela Cheney concert, which is fun. Sure. I love Leela. She's an underrated character and really should be involved in Krakoa more. Very, yeah. Considering her superpowers to teleport across the universe. True. Because <laughs> she could teleport somewhere and plant a Krakoan gate, and then they have a gate there. Yeah, what, what, she could do that through the entire universe. Why was she why was she part of the, the teleporters in S.W.O.R.D.? Yeah, exactly. But imagine that. She could teleport to any planet, drop a seed, Go to the next one. Mm-hmm. And then they have her own gates to everywhere. That that makes a lot of sense to me. Just saying. <laughs> but um, yeah, this story, it, it's setting up. It's the period where Leila Cheney is being hunted by uh, bounty hunters. And it, it's cool. It sets it up pretty well. Um, I'm not going to jump too much into it, though. It's like a flashback tale. Mm. So, you know, I think there's only one issue left, too, if I remember correctly. Next up. A book that unexpectedly got me. Axe, Death to the Mutants, number three. Oh, Got this variant. Oh, nice. I thought it was pretty nice. So, written by Kieran Gillen. Art by Jui Villanova. Colors by Alex Guimaras and Eric Arcinega. And letter by Travis Lanham. <sighs> so, it is about, you know, what's happening with with this from the perspective of, you know, the characters we've been following specifically the characters. Um, I mean, let's be honest. The only one that really matters is the Mimitar. <laughs> so, um, the Mimitar of the hex signed the Mimitar and just this really sad story about, you know, the poetry that they were writing with Sally, who Sally is now gone. It doesn't know what to do. It's just really interesting. There's also a really, really great story with Fastos. Yeah. And this is... You've read Eternals with me. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things about Eternals has been the narrator. Oh, yeah, the machine. Which is the machine, Earth. It's Earth talking to us. And it's sassy as fuck. Including at one point saying, come at me, bro. <laughs> which is great. I love this character. And at the end of this... To save the Earth, they have to factory reset the machine. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, why am I emotional about this? What the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, I was like, fucking Karen Gillan. Only Karen Gillan can make me cry because of this shit. But it was so sad. And just its last words, you know. I said I was afraid it was the end of the world. I'm afraid I was right. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> like, fuck. <laughs> like, and just it breaks Fastos, too, you know, because he's been attached to that machine in some way for a long time. Right. He's the one closest to it. He's the one that changed it slightly. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just kind of like fucking hell. It's, it's insane. But it was such an emotional book. 
for all these little side stories on the end. This was a good three book, mm-hmm. three issue series. So what'd you think? Um, I had to make such a read, uh, the, the two pages, the, the two pages of, uh, Exodus and sin. The, Oh yeah. yeah. I only wish to talk poetry. It's like, God damn it. it was, the, the, the little exchange was just so perfect. It was so beautiful. And, Damn it! Like they, they didn't want to fucking do this either. Like they're just these like giant destructive machines, but they had so much more to them is what we learned from them. Um, and Icarus. Oh yeah, that was in this issue, and that was in this issue. Like there's so many people that was like, we'll have to wait to see them again. Um, and I guess that's, that's I guess that's also I aptly put um, um, lining it up with the MCU too. So 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 it's not like it's like completely off. <laughs> But um, yeah, damn! Like some of these, because again, this, this is also like uh, the start of at least at least for this week, kind of the start of um, the push on like Cersei still hasn't told shit. She hasn't said anything, and that was kind of a big moment here with Icarus. So, fuck! Like, I'm I'm waiting for that fucking shoe to drop. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Which brings us to Wolverine 25. Um, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Federico Vicentini, colored by Frank D'Armada, and letter by Corey Petit. Um, so we get to see Solomon and Wolverine team up, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. Love those characters together because they're complete opposites. Very. Like Wolverine's like, I destroy mirrors because I don't look at my reflection. Solomon's like, look at me. I'm gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. All right. I get it. And they're up in the Arctic and they're like, we're going to fuck with the progenitor. No, Craven's not naked. We'll talk about Craven later. <laughs> um, they just walk past a frozen naked Craven. Like what? What? <laughs> like that'd be great. Um, and yeah, they attempt to basically save the world, and they don't really do it. You know, they can't stop the 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 celestial on their own. You know, and it's just really interesting. The Hellbride I thought would play a bigger role, but I think the role she played was very interesting. Mm-hmm. And Solemn's choice at the end was great. Um, but to me, the highlight of this was the ending. The bar brawl thing about Logan, you know, he always goes to a bar to settle shit, you know, to to basically settle his emotions and shows a bunch of different examples of it. I thought that was really cool. I really liked that. Because um, a lot of great Wolverine stories start with him at a bar and someone picking a fight. So I yeah. thought it was a really cool way to do it. So. Um, but it was also really depressing in a good way. It really fit the storyline going on right now. So anything you want to add about Wolverine? Um, no, the, 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 story was solid. Um, but yeah, like the, the whole, like one of my favorite Wolverine books, or one of my favorite Wolverine stories is in a Spider-Man book, but it has to do with Wolverine in a bar and it has to do like the, the, the birthday sequence. And it's like, so fucked yeah, up. I it's, love so, that one. It's, it's so depressing. So good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Um, it's up on a Spider-Man annual too. It's not even an actual, uh, ASM. <laughs> I love that I know exactly which book you're talking about. Yeah, no, it's, about. Just, it's fucking great. fantastic. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's um, it's cool. It, it was a cool um, Wolverine book. It was a, a good celebratory 25, 25th issue. Yeah, definitely. That brings us to Axe Eternals. Written by Karen Gillan. It's like our fourth Karen Gillan book this week. Yeah. Art by Pascal Ferry. Colored by Matt Hollingsworth and letter by Clayton Cowles. Uh, these little one shots have been about, you know, the crew that's inside the progenitor trying to kill it from the inside and their judgments. And this one focuses really heavily on uh, Cersei and on Ajax. And Ajax is hardcore, dude. 
like fucking hell. Um, yeah, like I, I mean, there's not a lot I could say about that. But Ajax might be a problem later on, is what I will say. <sighs> that that's going to be interesting. Like when we get the last issue, yeah, to see what role that specific thing plays. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then the Cersei thing, like. This is where we have the you can you know the debate about what they should do about the resurrection protocols for them, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like really interesting. I thought it was really cool, um but it is a very heavily uh you know focus on Ajax and exactly how far Ajax's faith goes and it's fucked up and she's kind of religious fanatic and it scares me a little bit. So yeah. But um also, I love the thing at the end where they're all jumping down the hole and it looks like Sinister is trying to do a cannonball. <laughs> so that's good. So, yeah. But um, good stuff. Anything you want to add about that one? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, no. A- yeah, Ajax. I- having to go through her trials over and over and over again. <laughs> that was fucked up. Especially when the one that talked is like, I was the first one. Like, uh it-, it was brutal. So, so, yeah, I hope she doesn't become like the, the wrench that it's leading up to be. Well, the thing that scares me is it's literally like, here's your first trial. And he's like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And these are my kids. You have to kill me to move on. She's like, okay. And just kills him. I'm like, <laughs> she didn't even hesitate. Yeah. She didn't be like, why must I do this? She's like, all right. <laughs> like, thanks. I want that thumbs like, up. Fucking hell. <laughs> she didn't hesitate at all. And that's the scariest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, uh. all right. Next up, another one shot. Ooh, I loved this one, though. Axe Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Written by Alyssa Wong, art by Michael Yeej and Marika Cresta, color by Chris Sotomayor, and letter by Travis Lanham. Basically, Loki, God of Stories, teams with the new Iron Fist, and it's fucking great. <laughs> like, I'm not going to do blow by blow. It was a fucking great story. I loved it. And it's just so interesting to follow this because these are two characters that you and I specifically have followed pretty closely over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, with when back when he was Swordmaster, and then Loki giving up the God of Lies, and you know doing this whole semi heroic turn, and to have them come together in a pretty unrelated idea, but come together and work together and do it in their own way, was really cool. Yeah. Obviously, it's not directly related to the progenitor, but it is their judgments, and I thought it was a great team up idea. Um. What did you think? I mean, like it, it's even it's even that it's also settling, like you said, the new Iron Fist. <laughs> I like yes. I like that we actually finally get that 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 finally happened. Like the 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 the, t- the tattoo is there now. Um, but Loki's perspective, Loki's pr- perspective, judging, um, Lynn, like the the part when they're not underwater, and he was able to just like swipe Milnir how to lift the hammer and then toss it away who is this boy that little quote from yeah. the page and it's like god damn it Lindley is just gonna be hopefully to stay i'm gonna be one of the coolest fucking characters i love this character thoroughly and this is a sh- major player yeah I, I really fucking want him to um because yeah at the end like the, the fucking shot like I'm, oh it's just so fucking sick um yeah, it has so much potential. It has so much potential for the MU. Yeah. Great stuff. Oh, so good. All right, let's move on to a little bit something lighter. 
Captain Marvel 42, also part of Axe. Mm-hmm. I got the Gory Hiri cover. Let me see. Because my boy Jeff the Shark's on. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I had to get it. And this is the Flurkin, in case you're wondering. Oh, it is a kitty. So, so written by Kelly Thompson, art by Andrea DeVito, color by Nolan Woodard, and letter by Clayton Cowles. This is set during Axe. It's about the judgment. But it's from the perspective of Chewie the Flurkin. <laughs> okay, I need to get this. So, basically, uh, Carol and L'Oreal are fighting off some zombies, essentially. And they have to stop them. And there's a great moment where she, Carol realizes she needs to knock down a whole bunch of them. And she's like, hey, I have an idea. It's really more of a Hulk move, but it might work. And L'Oreal's like, go for it. And she's like, I don't really have the hands for this. Let's see what we can manage. She does this, like, this face. Oof. And she says, Carol smash. <laughs> and does the clap. Boom. Nice. <laughs> like, it's just great. I love it. I love the humor of this book. And that's when Chewie wakes up. And then Chewie just wanders throughout the apartment complex. And, she, and we, oh, we find out, by the way, the people judging them. Uh, L'Oreal is being judged by her mother. Mm. Carol's being judged by Marvell. Oh, okay. Chewie is being judged by Carol. <laughs> <laughs> so, and Chewie's like, what the fuck is this? And so, Chewie just wanders around the apartment doing good things, apartment complex. There's a guy, like, abusing his girlfriend. She eats him and spits him out in the dumpster, basically. Um, there's a little girl who's sad. She makes her happy. There's some dudes standing at the window watching the fight. She tackles them out of the way before... They get killed by a thing going through the window. Just has a bunch of good things while being a very good kitty. And then they find out the thing poisoning the people and turning the zombies is this. And it's underground. Chewie goes underground and fucking eats it. Hell yeah. Because it's Chewie. And then it stops. And, and then we find out all three of them pass. So, yeah, it was fun. It was it, in a series, in a, in a crossover that's been pretty grim. This is a fun little adventure. Cool. So, n- nice little sideline. Speaking of nice, fun adventure with an axe, Fantastic Four number 48. <laughs> uh, written by David Pose, art by Juan Cabal, Club by Jesus Bertov, and letter by Joe Carmagna. Before I start, I'm very excited about the new creative team for Fantastic Four. Oh, yes. But I will say this this should not be the last time David Pose writes Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. I really enjoyed this. And it's still very Sue Storm centric but still narrated by Reed, which is still, I think is a, such a great choice, mm-hmm. you know, to have Reed narrate and not be a part of the story itself. Um, I love the design of space boy, by the way. Uh, yeah. Space boy is very androgynous. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, I like that Johnny gets to do a thing. The Ben stuff was breaking me. Like that was some emotional shit. Oh, Right. Where at the end, he's like, you know, when he thought it was over, he was basically crying, essentially, is what was about to happen. And, you know, like, I don't want to die alone. Like, I'm like, oh, God. And then, you know, he gets saved right the last second, obviously. But this is obviously their part of, of Axe. And I thought it was really cool. Um, I thought it was very well done overall. And again, I don't want this to be the last time David Pose writes these characters at least give him something else to do in Marvel because he's such a great writer. Mm-hmm. Like I love him. So what did you think? 
Um, I like I I do like how this tie-in um is setting up the next like the next year of the team. It made me think of um well well he he stuck it all the way through, but the way he started it was, was the same way as a tie-in. It made me think of um Hickman starting Fantastic Four. He started it at the um, uh it was a, it was a Dark Rain cover uh tie-in, and then his and then and then it took off from there. So it's cool that we get like a, a very epic tie-in, a, a very epic event to a tie-in, and then the next thing we know, it'll be uh, Ryan North into it. But still, very good. Like, yeah, Propose should actually stay a lot, stay around for if there's any like tie-in issues like regarding with Ryan North. He should, it, was, it would probably like work very well together. He does have Savage Avengers right now, mm-hmm. but something ongoing, something and, in continuity, and that's that is ongoing technically. Ooh, okay. So. Yeah, and it's been pretty, really, really good. I'm enjoying that too. So, but we'll see. I'd like him to do something that's going to impact the actual canon of the MCU. Yes, yeah, I'm saying. The MCU, you know. So, all right. Next up, Immortal X Men number seven. Had to go with the portrait. I had to go with this one. Oh, nice. So yeah, uh, I it's the A cover for me, by the way. Um, Written by Karen Gillan, drawn by Lucas Werner. Karen Gillan with five books this week. Uh, <laughs> colors by David Curio and letter by Clayton Cowles. <sighs> this kind of deals, obviously Immortal X-Men deals with the politics of it all. And um, each one has been focused on a different member of the group. This one is Nightcrawler. And he makes some insane sacrifices in this. Yeah, like I love the touch of I, um, how he gets live rebooted when he comes back to life. So everybody else is like, even if you back them up immediately, they don't remember what it's like to die. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because that's not part of their memory. But because he is, he remembers exactly what that feels like. And if there's any X Men that should know that and should like bear that, it's Nightcrawler. He's the one that can bear and carry things, which is really interesting. And just everything he did. Uh, the Hope stuff was really cool. Um, there's some good Destiny Mystique moments, even though I'm not a huge fan of theirs. But it's just um, like the weight of it all. It's just like, too. It's like, I mean, like now it's only one of them, but it's just like, will he even want to bring them back? You know, like after all the bullshit, it's like, that's the scary part for them. Like, and I feel that. Yeah. And the sacrifice, like, there's a pretty massive sacrifice being done. And Nightcrawler does have to team up with very unlikely allies, what I'll say, which is teased in the other books, too. <laughs> so to save the day, I'm very curious to see where that's going to go. Uh, he's such a badass. Like, he was my favorite X-Man for a long fucking time. Oh, yeah, he was always he in my probably country. still is. Like, <laughs> like, it's between him and Kitty at any given time, basically, so... Yeah, I love it. Uh, anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, no, I'm just so happy that just like him, just like finding his spot in Krakoa, like, and then like going along with like finding his like the, finding the spark, and then now being part of like like or Bim being part of the council. It's just like this man. Just, I, it's not that he doesn't give a fuck anymore. It's just like he's not just he's not gonna just gonna wait for a process anymore. Like what he did with Destiny, how he moved forward, and how he just took charge in this issue. He is one of the best X-Men ever. And it's like, no question about it. Um, yeah, like the ending was just so badass. And it's like, ah, everything about it was just so cool. Like you, like you said, like any, if any mutant should know like what it's like to, to bear that weight of like knowing what it's like to die, 
it was always Kurt. It was always going to be Kurt. <laughs> yeah. And then how's that going to affect his faith? You know, oh, it's just so interesting. All right. Next up, Legion of X, number six, written by Spice Spurrier, art by Rafael Pimentel, colored by Federico Bli, and lettered by Clayton Cowles. <sighs> More Nightcrawler, which is always good. Uh, just right at the beginning, it kind of tells like the story of what happened on Erico with him getting rid of uh, getting rid of Iska and you know like <laughs> him not just being a badass there, but now being a badass during the evacu- evacuation, mm-hmm. pushing his powers beyond what he should really push them to. But the, obviously, the star of this story is Legion. Yeah, and what a Legion story! What a fucking great Legion story! about how he's a legit badass. He has all these powers, but also he's matured to a degree and he needs to be a leader. He needs to be there for the next generation of mutants. And we get to see another, like two weeks in a row, we get to see another amazing scene of, of Magneto before he dies. (laughs) And just like, you know, like, like he just, talks to David about what that he needs him. He needs him to be there, you know, like, you know, he's the one he can trust to be there. And then he has this amazing scene where he fights off and it says, you know, he did it. And then he was dead. And then just this. <laughs> yes. Just the page. Magneto was right. I was like, fuck. <laughs> like, I was like, I was like, what a moment. That's the name of this episode, by the way, is Magneto is right. Yes. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> fucking hell, man. Like, and then he gets judged to be good. And I love this shot. It's the most condescending shot ever mm-hmm. where he's just giving a thumbs up, but he's just like staring straight down at him. <laughs> but you know, Legion is also like one of the biggest threats to him ever. So he's just like, mm. so what an issue. Like, the way this crossover has been flushed out on the sides, mm-hmm. I think is as good as they've ever done a crossover. Not necessarily the, the main story. The main story is good. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best one ever. It's not better than Civil War or something like that. But the extra bits, I don't think it's been done better. No, like, I, honestly, not to a degree. Like when we, when we first um, saw the initial list, like the, first, the, the checklist, and we counted like 37 books, 38 books. Um, this one. When we first saw this list, I was like, "Holy shit!" And then we realized, like, "Oh, but we're already reading most of it anyway." Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but going back to what you said, you're absolutely right. I don't think ever. I don't think an event has handled tie-ins to this magnitude so well. It, like every, because they're not just like tie-ins. Like, yeah, maybe you could skip them over if you wanted to. If you just want to know like people's judgment calls, whatever. Um. But these tie-ins have served actual purpose to their respective books. Like it can still, it yeah. it will still have weight to what led up to. It, it still has the weight of what led up to this next numbered issue instead of just like, oh, now we're going to tell the story because it's a tie-in. Whatever, we'll come back to where we were. Like no, like some of these just like really have an impact, and it's like so. Yeah, it's I don't think it's been handled like this well in a while. Like and, and yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, which brings us to our final book, X Force Thirty Two. I got the A cover mm-hmm. uh, because I have a subscription to this one. Yeah, but Peach Momoko and Miracle Man. Nice. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. So I had to get that cover. 
All right, let's talk about X-Force. Well, Craven put his pants back on. Written by Benjamin <laughs> Percy, art by Robert Gill, colors by Guru EFX, and lettered by Joe Carabagna. Uh, Craven basically used Deadpool as a key to jump into Krakoa. And now he's killing people. And this son of a bitch... First of all, he kills a bunch of eggs before they're even hatched. Uh, which led to one of the craziest scenes... Omega Red eating the dead bodies because he's like, what? It's not really a mutant. This is raw material. It's like, wow. He's not wrong. Um, he's not wrong. I guess. <laughs> uh, but Craven decides to kill characters I actually give a shit about, uh, including Maggot, you motherfucker. I love Maggot. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that That sucked. Um, he kills Icarus. Yeah. Motherfucker! I, I was thinking again. Give you the whole time of that one. Poor Josh Guthrie, man. <laughs> like he just can't stop he's dying. Such a sweet boy. <laughs> I know he's just he just wants to sing. <laughs> like just let the Imagine man just sing. flying, maybe just humming to yourself, and then someone just chucks a Deadpool head at you. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then yeah, Deadpool leaves a thing. He chops off his own tongue to leave a message, which was actually really ingenious of him. Mm-hmm. Um. Black Tom Cassidy gives him a new plant body. And oh, and also Hank is the worst character in the X Men still. In case anyone's curious, Hank McCoy's like, "Good thing I'm here, not over there dying." It's like, "Fuck you, beast!" Like you big piece of shit. Um, and then Craven's like, "Oh, let's go fight Wolverine." So they're gonna fight him in the new Danger Room, essentially, with Hank as the third party in there being hunted. Um, also, Deadpool's like, "I'm gonna kill Omega Red for attacking me." That's really stupid, Deadpool. There's something going on. <laughs> focus deadpool <laughs> so um but yeah that that's kind of what it's leading to is wolverine versus craven with beast life on the line and to be honest i'm cheering for craven fuck fuck hank mccoy he's the I worst think for the first time ever so. yeah sure <laughs> why isn't logan be like oh for real well i'm gonna lock the door on the way out then cool he's like oh, you two have fun in here it's like there's like a hannibal burrs joke about his cousin he's like i hate my cousin man he's like if you started hitting him right now, I'd like I'd let you hit him like five more times before I stopped you. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 get off my cousin, man! <laughs> like, like, and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's probably how like Logan feels about Hank now. He's like, hey, all right, stop! <laughs> like, that's enough of that. So yeah, uh, but really good issue. Uh, doesn't tie as much into the progenitor as everything else. Uh-huh. Uh, so it was weird to end it on that. You know, mm-hmm. but it was one of those ones that was on two different spots and two different lists for acts. So I figured it wasn't like going to be that important where we read it. But yeah, that is it for the week. Uh, what a week of Marvel comics. <laughs> I need to call out Beast one more time before we close this. Okay, please. How is Beast probably the only, probably has to be the only now with, with Toad in the ground and Toad in the pit. How is Beast, at least like a mutant on Krakoa and still have to use a shadow room for sexy time be sexist only like how like bro you really can't <laughs> anybody on Krakoa just probably because they see how fucking weird you are dude <laughs> ah. Toad is out of the pit Toad is with Sabretooth now by the way <laughs> that's true so yeah for the record uh, but yeah I saw that detail and I was like it just crawled under my skin it's like oh like with who <laughs> himself <laughs> like he's gonna fuck anybody else and it'd be it'd be, it'd be abigail brand but she's already she's like up, up in space probably that's why yeah but they ain't fucking right now so. yeah <laughs> awesome 
Well, that is our comics of the week. Sorry, what else have you been reading? God, it's been such a crawl. Like, I promise I will finish this. It's okay. Um, I, I did finish The Road to Oz. Uh, it is a delightful series. I just, I've been wanting to jump already onto my uh, October reads, and I'm so fucking late now. Um, but uh, I'm excited for this last one. Because I didn't know, I mean, obviously, I, I, I only knew about the Oz books based on the on the movie. Um, so learning the actual sequels uh, throughout these has been actually really delightful. Uh, so the reason why I'm excited for this last one, do you know the, all the books? Oh, you, you've read the comics, like these comics, so at the very least. I've read all the comics. I've read all the books. Oh, cool, so. cool. Um, I never knew, or at least like in uh, Bomb's real continuity on his last book, I thought it was like the sweetest thing. Like what, what makes me so excited is that after so many adventures slash hardships for um, Auntie M and Uncle Henry, it's cool that she actually gets to bring him to Oz for the last one. And I was like, oh, that's fucking genius. Yeah. Uh, but now yeah. I'm excited to read and see what how how it actually closes up because uh, I, I thought that was that's that's just really fucking nice. I, and so yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of comparisons for a while between the Wizard of Oz series mm-hmm. and the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh, okay. In that, you know, it's a mystical world. You meet important characters there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some people go, sometimes they don't. Some people, sometimes it's brand new people. Yeah. It's kind of similar, you know. So, yeah, uh, there were some comparisons there. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that ending of it, too. Nice. So, nice. Um. All right. Well, I have reread Destiny New York volumes one and two. Mm-hmm. I'm almost done with volume three, uh, so I could be caught up to where I was, so I could start reading the new stuff. Uh, I also listened to the audiobook for um, uh, Death of WCW again, which is the the book about the wrestling organization WCW and how they um, failed. Basically, <laughs> they horribly, horribly failed and burned. Um. Other than that, I don't think I've read much of anything because there's been a lot of comics to read. And it's been a short week since we last talked. Yeah. Um, I have restarted Leviathan Wakes, which is the first audiobook for The Expanse. Um, I just kind of really feel he needed to do it again. <laughs> I don't know. I just felt like it. So, uh, But yeah, that's it. Um, so with that in mind, those are the issues that we had this week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at WHI Podcast for the show. Check me out at WHI Podcast Keith. Check our producer Liz at WHI Podcast Liz. And check out Hostway at Hostway Reads Hostway. Make, make sure to check out our other podcast, Jukebox Vertigo at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. That is our bi weekly musical podcast where we build a playlist with our friends. Our next episode is going to come out Monday morning. And it is about songs that you would run away from the police to, which I'm very excited about. It was a lot of fun to record. Hopefully it sounds good because he has a little bit of technical issues, but I think I'm going to be able to uh, solve it pretty well. You always do. Once again, <laughs> at Jukebox Vertigo on Twitter. Uh, make sure on Monday evening after the show comes out, check out Josue on Twitch at Josue Plays Josue, where he's going to do a live listening party of all the songs. That way he can go ahead and uh, give his opinions, play a little Mario Kart. It's a lot of fun. We always have a blast in the chat. So make sure to check that out again. Once again, Hostway plays Hostway. And just keep an eye on Hostway reads Hostway on Twitter for the time. Because he'll usually post when he's going to do it mm-hmm. there. So that seems to be it. Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, don't forget to bagboard and box your new treasures. And we'll see you next week with a new batch of beautiful books. Stay safe and read more comics. Mm-hmm.